Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Hello. I fixed the sound before you could get to the bombs or the hey listens. Ah, I got to figure out how to make that a more natural process for me because I that's like, what, three, four episodes in a row? I forgot. No, no. I remembered yesterday, but I forgot again today. I even leave it. It's full screen. I have to push one button. It's full screen on my second screen, and I still forgot about it because, I'll admit, uh, to give myself a little bit of slack, I was just in the middle of Skyping, um, finding out if I was going to be getting Kim's, uh, Kimberly Tolson's uh, video entry for the game she covered this month. I've already got Shays. I think she's uploading it now, but I I don't know now that I'm live if I really want to mess with trying to integrate it in. So I'll probably just edit her stuff in after the fact. But that's neither here nor there. You folks are here for me to say hello to, unbox a game for, look, I've got a few different choices here, and then um count down, I think... If I recall correctly, it's like 26 or 27 games that um, we've got to talk about today for the month of May. And oh my goodness, let me just come on over here. Oh, well, first of all, let me say thank you, uh, Soylent713, who subscribed 20 hours ago in the off hours when no one was looking. I see you, Soylent. Thank you for supporting the show. And let's see, I think we're pretty much caught up with thanks otherwise. Brenner and Exacting Vampire resubbed. You're awesome. Monsters subbed yesterday. Sorry, I might have missed you. I think I did catch Freak the Geek, though, and Fidelia. Boy, yeah, yesterday was such a crazy day, trying out that new alternate take on Kickstarters, which so far, it seemed that I've only gotten positive feedback. One person pointed out that it's actually better for them because if if we're talking about games that are actually live and we're doing a countdown to when they're ending rather than when they're going to start in months, they uh, can actually just look at them while Ruel and I are actually talking. So that's a big plus for the way we did it yesterday. But, ooh, it was long. But on the flip side, though, I figured it out after facts. I think we talked about 35 games in yesterday's uh, Kickstarter or, you know, a crowdfunding of June R&R segment. So, you know, no, surprisingly, it ended up taking us 80 minutes to talk about 35 games. That's, that's a pretty good turnaround time, actually, when it boils right down to it. Oh, and Eric... Thank you for subscribing, um, or resubscribing. Two months you've been with me. I guess I must be doing something right. Let's see here. Um, Okay. Can I link the video and sound switch? Oh, that's an interesting idea, Goblin. Can I set up a macro or equivalent that would do both things at the same time? That is turning on and off streaming tracks off specific inputs. I'll have to look. That's actually a really good idea. I do like it. I don't know if it'll work, but I think that is a cool idea. And I'm already starting to warm up. Summer must be here. So let's uh, strip down a little bit. But I might be able to represent Board Game Geek a little bit longer. But you'll be seeing Board Game Geek as the show goes on. 
since there's a couple of games I'm going to be talking about that haven't been filmed. So I'll just show pictures from Board Game Geek when I get to those. Hello, Omar and Goblin and Gadam Gray. Gadam Gray, I believe your, um, yep. Oh, I see. You've got your, um, avatar. And oh, wait, what just happened? What just happened? Body Belly! Uh, subscribed again. Sticking with me one more time. And, um, oh, uh, Gadam Gray, you've got the, uh, bug eyes. Is that just a standard? Have you done any customization yet? You're too busy dancing. Everybody's dancing about Bodie Belly. Uh, and when you when everybody dances, they put away their swords and and uh, cell phones so as not to uh, put anybody's eye out. But, okay, cool. Oh, yep, yep, okay. So that's working. Uh, I'm sure you already know there's a list of all the commands you can do down below, including catching this star right now. Nobody jump for it. Let Gadam Gray catch it, because they're brand new. Um, or not. You know, anyway... Uh, Enough of all that silliness. So I am going to uh, do. Um, oh, and uh, for uh, uh, Feinbacker, uh, bonjour, mon frère. Uh, that's all I got. I never took French. Uh, I, I, actually, I almost like uh, diverted into I think, Como, but no, it's anyway. Uh, bonjour, bonjour, mon, uh, mon frère. Ah, I can't do it. Oui, oui, oui. Ganz gut, got him gay. Und du? Or, no, it's a bit presumptuous. Uh, und Sie? Uh, anyway. My German is not much better than my French, although it should be, since I took two years in high school and then uh, two semesters in college. But all I can do is just the basic pleasantries at this point. What are we at now? 20 years later. Or 25 years later. Um, but, man, I think if I were to move to Germany or Austria or, or Switzerland, I suppose, or you know some German-speaking place, I bet you both Jen and I could probably get into the swing of things pretty pretty quick, which would be nice. Not that we're moving um, anytime soon. Okay, so... Oh, Andrew Scott snagged the uh, star. Of course, Andrew Scott is a star sniper. Uh, Andrew Scott, I can't even imagine, has how many um, uh, points right now, and yet feels duty-bound to snag every star before anybody else can grab them. Um, Oh my gosh, what? We haven't had a hype train for a while, but um, we just started one. Here comes the train, folks. Thank you, uh, Pintachan, for pushing us over the top. So here's the deal, folks. If this is your first time in um, Twitch, there's all kinds of funky stuff that happens here, including if uh, people show enough support for the channel, we upgrade levels of the hype train, which is literally down there at the bottom of the screen. And your name will appear. You'll actually take a seat on the hype train if you donate bits, or if you subscribe, or if you gift a subscription to somebody else. And the higher the hype train goes, the longer it gets, the more special emotes you will unlock for this particular. That's what's going on with the hype train. Um, Thank you very much for the support, everybody. As you can see, every time you give bits or... um you know, do subscribes, we get closer and closer to unlocking more shows. So, um, you know, you folks run the show here. And, uh, right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to unbox one of these three things. You're going to pick which one we're going to do. That's going to give enough time for more people to show up because maybe not everybody uh, got the message at noon. And uh, then we will do the roundup. So what have I got here? I've got from Portal Games, Batman, Everybody Lies, still in shrink. I've got... Oh, this is heavy. Beyond Humanity Colonies, which is a game I covered on Kickstarter. Jeez. Was it, were we still in Malta at the time? No, no, no. I think we were here when we covered it. But it's 
Ooh, I probably I want to be a little bit more delicate because there's actual um, electronic equipment in here. This is a game where the board is literally alive, lights up, and in informs you of all kinds of stuff. And then we've I finally, oh, even heavier still, got my Aeon Zen Legacy of Graveholt, which I cannot wait. Here's the thing: I've still got my prototype from when Jen and I covered it a couple of years ago. So I think when I eventually get it open. I, I would love to play all the way through it again because, Jen, I really enjoyed the campaign. But what I could do is just transpose all of the final stuff that we did from the uh, prototype over here. So anyway, folks, I'm going to open one of these and talk about its contents. And you're going to pick which one. So let me start a new poll. Uh, uh, um, let's see. What to open? And we've got every... Or Batman. Batman, everybody lies. Uh, beyond, beyond humanity, colonies, and aeons, and legacy of grave hold, or, or, or just grave hold, just grave hold. Aeons and grave hold. Okay, I'm going to turn back on the um, bonus votes. You can use your bits, you can use your channel points to vote. You've got two minutes. Oh, whoops. Um, all right, and ba, 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 do, 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 do. Oops, there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Start. All right, folks. Which of these would you like to see me open for you today as a way to pass the time? Um. All right. The bits aren't all that exciting, says Gadam Gray. Or I don't know, is it Gadam Gray or Gadam Gray? I'm not really quite sure. Uh, I'm just gonna go with Gadam. I might even go with Gad. Hey, Gads. Hey, Gaddy. But. That might be a bit presumptuous. Or Adam, apparently. Oh, G. Adam Gray. So what's the G stand for? Um, uh, Godfrey? Godfrey Adam Gray? Adam. Good to know. Adam. 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 I will try to remember that. But folks, so many people watch, I, I often lose track, I have to admit. Mm. But okay, Adam. Oh, and by the way, Adam, thank you for supporting the show. Uh, folks, Adam is not a subscriber of the show here on Twitch, but Adam subscribes on Patreon. And anybody who supports the show on Patreon, just send me a direct message. And um, I will get you added so that during the live shows, you too can have a little avatar uh, running around, as, as Adam did this morning. Okay, what's how's the voting looking? We got a minute left, and yep, it looks like people want to see all the big, fancy electronic stuff. Honestly... Between you and me, that's kind of what I figured people were going to want to see. Uh, but I still, still, I mean, you, you might surprise me. You might go a different way. We'll see how it goes. All right. And let me just look through the chat and see how everyone's doing. Goblin, the Batman one is, this is a sequel from Portal Games to the uh, Detectives. It was called Detective. It's, it's basically a um, cooperative narrative adventure campaign where you play as Catwoman or Vicky Vale or um, you know uh, Harvey Bullock or whatnot trying to solve a series of crimes in Batman's Gotham City. And so you, you travel around to all the hot spots. You deal with Batman, I suppose. It's a comic-inspired experience. And uh, yeah, they send it to me for coverage. But it doesn't matter. It's going to be, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, the the one that I figured it was going to be. Let's go on ahead and open it up. Oofnet. I do not remember if I'm making up a word there for the German word for open, but I want to say oofnet, but that's probably wrong. Uh, and again, the uh, the chat can correct me because meine Deutsch nicht so gut. Nicht so gut. 
Ein klein Vision. Okay, so I need to go to the overhead view. Overhead, overhead, overhead view. And the overhead view is way over there. Looking at all the... Hey, folks, that's all the stuff that's just off screen. You know, normally when you see me um, right here and I'm talking about stuff, just there, just below this camera that I'm pointing out, there is a big mountain of plastic baggies and um, components and uh, various and sundry things in just a big sloppy mess. And uh, that is what you are seeing right there. There's Alexa. Alexa, how are you doing today? Alexa, shy. Alexa, how are you? Hmm, I don't have an answer for that. Alexa, stop. Really, all she's good for is alarms and all the rest of it. But she is very handy for that. But anyway, let me go on ahead and get this over, over here. There we go. Colonies. That's what we're here to see. Okay, big old box. I don't even think I need the knife. I'm sure this. Yep, this will just come right off. Whee! Yeah, I know, Goblin. The one time she's on. This is her big moment to shine, her big debut. And she gets stage fright and just doesn't respond. All righty, here we go. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. I don't know if anybody else does this, but when I do unboxings, I try to set the stage if they're going to let me do it. Oh, my gosh. There's all kinds of things to read. Oh, okay. Okay. I was looking for just like a nice little summary of the setting of the game, but instead they talked about minis with real electronics, embedded artificial intelligence in the game pieces, NFC-powered, Bluetooth connection, semi-co-op, full co-op, and solo play. Does require batteries. Uh, smart device and companion apps required, so you need a smartphone too. Um, unique one-time scenarios, nine characters to choose from, a billion expo pl exoplanets to settle. The One of the strengths of having a digital assistant is you can have four billion exoplanets to choose from. And endless replayability. Over 51 million planetary variables, millions of characters and goal combinations, and hundreds of in-game events offer endless opportunities in Beyond Humanity colonies. Now, let's open. Whee! All right. And uh, again, I have not looked at this game in a long time, so I don't know what we're going to get. We have an envelope. And, uh, oh, it's a few words from the THM family. Dear backer. Um, right. When ready, please turn the page over. So that's nice. They're very excited, um, but important note. Did you play the full game? Is everything up? All right. Set everything up. Now you're... All right. Okay. All right. I... Hmm. Notice. A unique enamel pin. Do you won't find mention on the camera. Oh, they're the same way. They, they threw an extra little thing in for thanks. And they signed and all that. That's all very nice. Okay. How to change batteries. Okay, so how to swap batteries out in all in the, the main arc module, which is the centerpiece of the board. We've got a rule book, a corporate manager's guide, and looks like we've got some stickers. I think these are stickers. What are these? Yeah, these are... Are these stickers? Yes, they are. There are a lot of stickers to stick, and even more stickers to stick, and even more stickers to stick, so there will be some sticking stuck. Uh, in various and sundry spots. All right, and then... All right, preparing the table for the game. All right. As I recall, the game itself was a pretty straightforward worker placement game because it's a worker placement game where all the complexity of the dynamic, constantly changing world is taken care of by the AI of the app and the uh, game pieces. 
Alrighty, and so it looks like this must be the annex, I'm assuming. Alright, so we've got the opening game, your first game. If you want to play it co-op, differences from the semi-co-op. Yeah, that's right. By default, this is a semi-cooperative game where we are all different administrators responsible for different things in the uh, space colony, and we're all trying to become the next president. But if we don't all do some basic work, the whole place could go down in flames. So by default, it's a it's semi-co-op, but mostly competitive. Um, and But there are co-op and so Solo modes as well. Alrighty. And uh, lots of modules. The modules listen and all that. Okay. So we've got... Here's some characters. There's a... Oh, I did not set up. Focus. Focus. Wait. Oh, is that focused? Okay, it is focused, isn't it? Yeah, that's fine. So there's Athena Gore. She's a major. If you're with her, you're really trying to focus on developing the military of your base for security and all that. Or you could be focusing on, um, you know... Uh, uh, you know, science and visionary stuff. And then we've got, who else do we have here? You'd be focusing on engineering. That's your main uh, concern. And you can see everybody has different responsibilities to keep the place going, but only one can be the new system administrator or something like that. All right. Oh, a racketeer. That did not exist. Wow, you could be a kingpin. You could be, you basically control the underworld. That's interesting. That was not in here when I covered my prototype. And oh, wow, yeah, there's a bunch more characters. You can be a preacher. You could be, um, yeah, I remember Explorer was in there. Uh, you could spend more time, less time worrying about the colony and more time exploring the planet we're on. And then there's a financial broker. Jeez Louise, there's a lot of characters in here. And, you know, um, one of the, I mean, I, if you're the warden, you're probably going to want to work kind of closely with the military character. And then we've also got an inventor. I do remember Boris there. Okay, so you got a bunch of characters. Looks look like everybody. And then we've got, um, you know, player boards. And, you know, more places to store all the stuff. These represent all the different upgrades you can get. Uh, you end up taking these and put them in front of you as a reminder of what kind of, you know, what, what they're doing for you and all that. But let's get to the real stuff, folks. There's what you wanted. All right. Or, okay. Or, all right. So the real stuff is still below here, but we've got these. So these are RF chips um, that will be recognized. You can put these on the main thing, and it'll recognize... Oh, this character is doing something in the uh, simulation. So you've got all the these chips that represent different characters. Looks like you've got plastic pieces that represent all the money and different resources of the planet. We've got... Oh, yeah, these are what connect the different habitat modules. And you can see they're real electronics because as you build this uh, outer space colony, you are creating a gigantic 3D um, networked uh, system where the different modules literally talk to each other um, by you know sending data back and forth. The developers really um, you know burn the midnight oil as a way to make that. Uh, all right, here's the bonus pin we got for being a backer. We got some cards. That's all nice. And so here's a couple of the different modules. And so you can see if you look closely, or maybe if you look closely over here, that is actually where the physical electric connections will actually um, take power 
from the central module and lead it out here. So I don't know what this is. If this is like a, a habitat, you know, like a you know a barracks or something like that. If there's problems here, this can light up and shine different colors. It's powered by the main thing. It runs its own AI locally on board and um, you know talks with all the other modules, of which there will be more. As you can see, there's quite a few more uh, different ones that represent like landing zones and power supplies and all kinds of stuff. But this is the important one. This is the one you actually put batteries in. This is the one you turn on and off. And it looks like... I, I, I can feel it's not very heavy. So they don't have any batteries in it right now. And it looks like... Oh, did it come with batteries? Yes, it did come with batteries. All right. Am I going to try and uh, light this thing up? How do I open this? All right. It said in the rule book, didn't it? That was like one of the first things it said. Here it is. All right. To change batteries... Right, so what do we do? We take this, and it looks like we flip something down, or we flip something up. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay, so we pull this little hoozy majig out. We put four batteries in. If I can, and of course, for um, folks who do not like digital in their board games. This game is not for you. This game is cutting edge, pushing as far, if not farther, than any other developer ever has in terms of integrating the digital and the analog. And me, I love it. I love being cutting edge and seeing what we can come up with and what types of new gameplay uh, can uh, you know evolve from the uh, connection. Oh, there we go. Lit up. So this goes back in. How did it go in? Is it going like that? I think it went in like that. Uh. All right. Nope. Oh, it goes in like this. There we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. All right. Snap back. Boom. So this is lit up. This is a Bluetooth device. It will sync up with your phone. Your phone's app will be your interface. It's how you actually talk to this thing. And like I said, it literally has onboard microchips that do all the computation for what this thing is capable of versus what this thing is capable of versus what this thing is capable of. Now, I don't... I mean, you're supposed to hook them up when you're actually playing. When the game says, oh, did you build this, um, you know, uh, th this power station? Well, go ahead ahead and hook it up now. I'm going to try and hook it up right now. I don't know if that's going to lead to anything, but let's give it a try. Yep, there we go. So now this thing is on board and it's already changing colors. I don't know what the different colors mean. Does this mean everybody's happy here? Does this mean everybody's depressed? Um, does this mean, hey, run the app because I don't know what's actually going on in here yet, but this is the nature of the game. Let's see, is there anything under here? Oh, and even more, more modules uh, that all have different functions and all of that. Okay, and there we go. That's everything that's in here. And that's what... Um, you can go watch my run-through. I actually demonstrated all this stuff. We had events happen um, with my prototype of this that I have. It lit up. It did all kinds of fun stuff. The uh, app I had at the time, of course, was very rough and ready. But uh, it worked pretty well. Now, oh. So you can just imagine this starting to build and spread out over the board and all of these things, you get to sense that there are people in here. It is alive. They are going about their daily lives. The app will tell you what's happening. Things will light up when there's trouble spots or when things are good. If people are starving, if people are angry, if people are voting, politics is a big part of this game too. So, and uh, when you're done, you just turn it off and uh, put it back away and go to sleep. And that, folks, was Beyond Humanities colonies. You asked for it. I opened it, didn't I? And now let's come back to me.
Phew, what'd you think of that? All right, that was a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I, I remember the important thing is um, when you're going to do something, on your turn, the first thing you do is you take your little RF chip that represents you, whatever character you are, you put that on top of the thing, and that's you very simply saying, okay, game, it's my turn, here's what I'm going to do. And then you just go ahead and you play. And I mean, it's a worker placement game. You do worker placement stuff, you play cards. Oh, I didn't look at the cards, did I? You know what? They're cards. You can see what they look like in the uh, run-through. Uh, but that was enough. I see we have increased our viewer count by 30% in the time we've done the opening. And I think that means... Hmm, let me get this out of the way. And we can start with the actual countdown. Uh, Hero Logic, I'm glad. I'm glad you found it interesting. I certainly do. Um, it's interesting. Two, I'm really curious to try this out because when we played it, my biggest problem with it was the the, the co-op rules were really they 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 weren't really there yet. So Jen and I played it competitively, and it really struck us that okay, we want to have more than two players responsible, and there'd be more tension and push pull in different directions. Uh, but now that there are solo and co-op as well, I'm very keen to give it a try uh, because again, I love uh, getting my analog and my digital together and making a delicious Reese's peanut butter cup of gaming goodness. Okay, so everything seems to be going okay. My sound has not cut out. I am still getting hotter and hotter. I took off my slippers a while ago, folks. Now I'm going to take off my socks. Jeez Louise, if you stick around long enough. Thank you. Thank you, Goblin. Thank you for the applause. If I are, Or maybe you're applauding the taking off of the socks. Well, folks, um, this is not one of those types of Twitch channels. I don't care how many bits you throw my way. I stop at socks. That's it. Okay. I don't know. Would I write your name across my forehead? No. No. I am. This is not that kind of channel. Okay. Phew. Mm. Let me see. Let me make sure I've got everything set up here. All right. I've got... All right. First of all, uh, I'm really kind of hesitant. I mean, I know that Kim was uploading her video so that I could actually just put her in the video that I'm recording for you folks today. I mean, if I don't, I'll just edit it this afternoon and put it in and that'll be fine. But if she did take the time to try to get it done in time for this, I kind of like want to honor that. But I just don't know if I want to do the extra work. Yep, there it is. It's uh, nine minutes and 34 seconds. Wow. Kim talks longer than me. She talks for uh, nine minutes and 34 seconds about two games. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd have to download it. I'd have to integrate it into Streamlabs OBS. I'd have to create a new scene to be able to jump between her and Shay. I think there is... Too much potential for things to go haywire in all of that. So, Kim, thank you for getting... Or Kimberly. Sorry. Kimberly, I know you prefer Kimberly. Thank you for getting this to me in time. Um, it will go out. Because, of course, folks, the actual... Everything we've done so far, this is just for me and you. But the roundup is going to be... I'm going to turn that into its own standalone video. That'll go up on YouTube tomorrow. And, oh, of course, I, all of this will because Twitch will eventually delete it all. So I have to archive it all on YouTube anyway. Man, it is still hot in here. I am actually... I mean, you can't tell if I'm not wearing pants, can you? No, no, but I'm going to roll my jeans up. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I think it is time to... Uh, 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 <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I, I will try to hang in there. For folks who are listening on the podcast, Adam just threw up a cute little... One of those pictures of the kitty cats just barely holding on and telling me to, to hang in there. Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh, I think we're ready to go then. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do Kimberly's thing. 
this afternoon. So if you want to hear her talking about her take on Tiny Epic Vikings and First Empires, uh, we'll um, we'll get those. Yeah, we'll, we'll, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna risk it. It's too risky. I, I mean, the, the, the whole streaming thing is very fragile. So before you go, let me just scroll through and see if there were any outstanding issues that you folks have brought up that I really need to address. Let's see. We were talking about my weight um, in the uh, rundown and how I look slim, but I am not slim at all. Believe me, you don't want this shirt coming off. That's for certain. Um, righty. Oh, it looks like Bodie Belly was torn between Batman and the colonies. Well, you got your colonies. <sighs> Gizmo uh, admits that uh, they're also just off camera. It's a, Believe me, just off camera, there's that big pile over there. There's a big gigantic pile of empty cardboards right there. Another, or cardboard boxes, another one over there. Um, just above me on all the shelves around here, just off screen, there are just big stacks of board game prototypes and everything. Everything looks perfect from just this. And then everything on uh, around it, it's cattywampus, uh, to say the least. So you are not alone, um, Gizmo. Not at all. Let's see here. What else? Oh, actually, I just need to come over here. This will be a little bit easier. Um, do, 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 do. Light it up. Light up. It is lit up. And uh, it's interesting. As I recall, I don't think it makes any sound. I guess maybe that... I mean, I'm sure they would have liked to have put little tiny speakers in them, but... I guess they figured that was probably going to be a cost too much because here's the thing. I talked to them about this. Why are you actually going through all the trouble to make the individual modules literally do their own thinking? You could you could replicate all of that through the app, but they're like, nope, we're going to do it. We're doing it for real. Each one of these modules has real little people in them or electronic people. And so I, I, more power to them. That's That was what their dream was. And they pulled it off and I just showed you proof of it. And uh, it'll be interesting to give it a try. Uh, maybe it'll be a good Rado Recluse solo game. Interesting. I'll have to think about that. But anyway, um, oh, I see um, somebody knew a little bit of something. Blue is, oh, if it was flashing blue, it was under construction. Green meant it was built. Red meant there was, there was a problem. Yeah, and so that's why I plugged it in. It was blue. It was going through the construction process. And it'll just take a while to do that. Um, all righty. DTT. Uh, oh, and, oh uh, also the cards have RFID chips in them too. All right, then. All right, let's get out the cards. Let's look at these cards. Oh, I can, I can see them. I mean, you look at this uh, card deck. Here's the width on one side and the width on the other side. The chips are in the top. Right, okay. Uh, this has a chip in it. So you put that over and it'll know that Bravo Fleet is on, uh, or Charlie Fleet. There's different fleet cards. There's different decrees that can happen. Let's see, once again, uh, do I actually have my... Oh, oh, that's a green one. No green ones. No green ones. Oh. A red one. There we go. A red one works better. Green on green screen. Always a problem. So all of these... Or no, I don't think these ones do have chips. These... Yeah. So... But these ones do. Yeah. Or no, Okay, yeah. I think maybe they all do. Uh, so the thing is, you play these... Another green one. And um, the, the game knows that you're playing them because when you... You don't just put them on the table. You kind of quickly hover them over the... Whatchamacallit? The, 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 the main... Um, uh, colony module, and then the, the game, the simulation, knows what you're doing, knows what cards you're playing. It's very, very cool. Um, you know, a, a real technical marvel. And like I said, this is the 
the very definition of cutting edge. This and what was it called? Tabura, you know, which is basically a board that is electronic and has all the scanners built in. Those are two things, and I'm looking forward to see the industry continue to experiment with all of this stuff because this stuff is awesome. All righty. What was the last game I showed? It was Beyond Colonies Human or Beyond Humanity Colonies. Um, I have done a studio tour in the past, uh, a human. Uh, human. Uh, and in fact, if you want to see it, go to faq.rado.com. And I think number 15 is a, hey, tell us about your equipment. And so I just, that's what my equipment is. And then there's a link uh, to a uh, little tour I did a couple of years ago on a day when it wasn't quite so messy as today. So sorry, no tour today. Nice try, uh, uh, human. All righty. Um, Cool, cool, cool. All right, okay. Uh, oh, Mighty Max has some ideas you'd like to throw at Rotto. Well, if they're offline, remember, the, the thing I like most about Twitch is you can direct message me. It's called a whisper. It's just up at the top of your chat window. You can basically send me direct messages, I, and I respond to everything. Actually, another thing I do, at, you know, a couple days from now, after I put this up, I will actually go through and I will review all of the chat that happened because I'm about to start recording the show, and I'm going to have to stop paying attention to you. But I, won't, I will still go and review all the chat, and often people, I'm sure there's some people in the chat who can confirm, they'll get messages from me two or three days later because like, Oh, that was a really funny joke you made. Or, oh, that was a really good point. I should have mentioned that. Or, oh, thanks for the information. So, Mighty Max, reach out and whisper me, and uh, we can talk. Although, uh, before I get going, one last thing. Folks, after I'm done, uh, depending on how long it takes to do, because there's a lot of games today, I'll do some Q&A if you have any questions. So, if you want to ask me questions, what you need to do is you need to start your question with a question mark. Scroll down, and you'll see. It's literally like the first little module below the video is, hey, do you have questions? Here's what you do. Start your question with a question mark, because that puts it in a queue, which means when we get to the q and I'll just be able to go through the queue, and I'll be able to answer those questions. Sound like a deal? Then, um, great. Let's get this show on the road. Mm. Okay, so... Ba, ba, ba. All right, so that's fine. And... Um, all right, so I've got... All right, sponsor of the show, Funny and Games. And then I say uh, we go to... the. Oh, I need to set up the first entry on the roundup because Shay's going to start out. And Shay is ready to talk. Hey, folks. So I played there three games this month, and can ordering them was actually you folks can hear him, can't you? for me. Because oh no, I bet you can't hear him. Can you? All of them. No, you can. You can hear him. Really cool. You'll be able to hear him to when we do that. Uh, somebody tell me in the chat. Were you able to? hear... I mean, I know I didn't stop talking. Okay, you did. When we get to Shay's bit, I will stop talking so you can hear what he says. Actually, it's kind of nice. Uh, it gives me a little bit of time to just sit and listen. Although I'm still responsible. Uh, while Shay is talking, I am live updating the screen and making sure that the uh, you know the the games. Are, are the, the games he's talking about are what's actually on screen. And see, that's the thing. Kim just got me her video. And if I if it had gotten here an hour ago, I would have set her up as well. I would have had her games in the queue. And you would see me and Kim and, uh, and Shay, or Kimberly, all doing it. But Kimberly's stuff, you'll see on the YouTube version tomorrow. <sighs> okay, so. Okay, I think I'm ready. Although, wait. Before I go, longtime viewers know that you can't start any show without first um, pumping up the jam to a battle royale. So, uh, everybody, let's begin the fight to the death. Uh, we got okay. It's a it's a smaller collection of stream avatars, and oh, oh who's the new one? Oh, it was uh, it was Adam. Where are you, Adam? I got to keep an eye on you. This is your first battle, I believe. There you are. 
with a, with a turkey leg and a lollipop, and he goes into battle, and first thing he does is stab me in the back. Funny how that works out. You're welcome, Adam. And then continues to beat down on me. I'm completely surrounded, but Adam moves on and throws down with Sea Otter, the second most huggable person uh, around. And now Adam is surrounded, been completely wiped out, trying to finish off Sea Otter, fails to do it, runs right into the thick of things, and survives somehow. Adam, how are you still alive? And, um, oh, Sea Otter got you with the Halo Sword. It was a good fight, a good first uh, 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 first fight. So see, Sea Otter, oh, Sea Otter, you just missed the health pack, and you need it. I know you've got Rell in your sights, gonna go for a quick backstab, but Bagance gets in your way, and you take Bagance out. You will not be stopped before you can, oh, wait, you're turning around. Are you gonna get that health pack? Are you gonna do it, Sea Otter? No, Sea Otter, you're toying with us. And meanwhile, it's down to, I am the one you know best, and the one you knew best knew how to take out um, our friend. And the one you know best just heals up. We have an even fight. Oh, now it is a lopsided fight. The one you know best is going down face-to-face with Andrew Scott. Andrew's got a plunger and back plunger stabs. The one you know best. The one you know best turns around and just slaps him across the face, and Andrew was no match. I'm the one you know best. You are the winner. Okay. Phew. Um, I don't think I've seen you in the in the scrum before. Congratulations. You uh, you haven't really done much in the way of customization, but you just won yourself 100 gold coins that you can use to buy yourself your own turkey leg. Although that turkey leg, that turkey leg did serve Adam pretty well. He, he survived for quite a while. Uh, just right on the edge. It was very exciting. But okay, folks, we've got that out of the way, which means we can now move on to the show. You know, actually, let me make sure my banner is working too. I just, before I get going, because once I start filming, I don't want to stop. So it's nice to have everything worked out ahead of time. Uh, banner. Check. Save. Uh, yes, banner check is a go. All right, so everything is fine. I should have everything queued up. Let me make sure I have... Please tell me I didn't close... No, I didn't close the browser. I have this terrible habit of just closing things as soon as I'm done with them, and sometimes I've closed the browser and all my tabs are lost, but not today. Everything should be queued up, ready to go. And, okay, I've got my cheat sheet reminder over here, and... Um, yeah, and uh, Adam is now hungry for a real-life turkey leg. Um, good vibes. Good vibes indeed, Brenner. Thank you very much. I'm just going to take that as a reminder that I can calm down. I have a certain manic energy, and I certain, I tend to rev myself up, and that can lead to goofs. So, if I just take Brenner's advice and just enjoy the vibes. We're all friends here. We all just love board games. You're about to hear me talk about a whole bunch of them, and Shay talk about a few, and you're about to see a blank space where we don't have Kim to talk about them, um, but that space will be filled later. Kimberly, 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 Kimberly. I'm sure Kimberly is cool with people calling her Kim, but she's told me. She prefers Kimberly, so I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, folks. Okay, so... Yes, and thank you, humans. I, I do know about, um, oh, is it Control-Shift-T, right, I believe, in, in Chrome? Yeah, uh, the problem is in the, it's a whole thing. Uh, it'll bring those tabs back, but if you haven't, if you've only pasted in the URL, but have not hit enter to go to the page, it won't bring those pasted URLs back. That's what I've learned the hard way. Um, and there are reasons that we do that sometimes um, on the R&R show, because, well, it's a whole thing. Come back for the R&R show, and you'll see how that works. Whew. Alrighty, so I think we are fine. Um, Kabuki Kid says, uh, Mania is my first gear. And it only uh, goes up from there. And uh, Kabuki Kid does know what she's talking about. It is true. 
All right. Ooh. Let's do it. Um, okay, uh, welcome to Bearsworth. We're just about to start. Um, oh, I, I missed it. Rogue Calypso, thank you for resubscribing uh, and helping that hype train along. And uh, Pinta Chan, Bodie Belly, uh, Eric, FHM. Yep, yep. You're all my best friends. I love you all equally. Okay. And that's because all of you only just back at the low level. If, you, if any of you backed at the medium or the high level, I'd love you more. But that's not true. You can't buy love here. Um, I love you all. Even the folks who are just watching having a good time. If you're having a good time, then my job is done. Whew. Okay, I'm just wrapping myself around in circles. I'm just delaying, but I, I, I need to... Yeah, all you need is love. Do, 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 do. Um... Love is all you need. Okay, let me go on ahead, and we're getting going. I have to put my little reminder. During the show, folks, you will see that up there. That is letting anyone know that if you want to chat, I'm not paying attention to the chat while this is happening. So I'm just filming a show. You folks are in the audience. You can whisper amongst yourselves, what, what is this guy's idea? He's crazy. Or whatever it might be. If you have any questions, cue them up with a question mark at the beginning of the entry. And we're ready. Spaghetti. Let's do this thing. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. Hey, everybody. The May 2022 Roundup is brought to you by Fun Again Games. And hello. How are you doing? Hopefully, May was a good month for you. Uh, in terms of games, we had a very good time, and that's what we are here to talk about today. I played a whole bunch with my wife, including I went on an epic solo journey of gaming, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But before I get to that, I want to talk about the games that the contributors to the channel have played, and in some cases, let them talk about them themselves. So, how about we start out with newly married Mr. Shay Parker, who took a little bit of time off in April to uh, go on his honeymoon, but now that he's back, he got a, few, a little bit of gaming done, and he is here to talk about it right now. Take it away, Shay. Hey folks, so I played three games this month and ordering them was actually a little bit difficult for me because I really liked all of them. I thought all of them had something really cool, really unique to bring to the table. Um, and I had minor criticisms for each of them, but we must put them in order. So uh, my number three is Dead by Daylight. Uh, this is a Kickstarter preview, although the Kickstarter is already completed. Um, and this is based off of a uh, survival horror multiplayer video game, I believe. Um, now, I haven't played that game, and I don't have uh, a particularly strong uh, affinity towards the horror genre in general, so the theme didn't like really grab me in, but the gameplay was really solid. Now, this is an all-versus-one uh, game where one player is playing as a killer, and the rest are playing as survivors who are trying to run away from the killer and obviously survive. Uh, they need to uh, power some generators to leave, Meanwhile, the killer is trying to sacrifice all the survivors um, and earn like sacrifice points um, and you get enough then the survivor wins instead. What really pulled me into this game was how much variety there is. Um, in just the base game, there's, there's I think six or seven different, uh, uh, different killers that you can play as and each killer really changes the game. The, the basic mechanics of the game are pretty straightforward, but each survivor and each killer adds their own flavor to it and their own mechanics and really uh, brings up, uh, you know, really changes the game for, for every time you play. And then the, the collector's edition has like two and a half times more of both of the things as well as upgrade components and all that stuff. So that I think, you know, if you, if you really like the survival horror genre and you want that variety, definitely check it out. Um, the survival horror, again, 
not really my thing, which is why it's so low, but otherwise I think it's a really solid game. Uh, now, moving on to my number two, which is Bark Avenue. This is another Kickstarter preview, and this is a game about walking dogs and having a great time, and it is just adorable. Uh, this is a pickup and deliver game where you are working for a crowd, uh, not a crowdfunding, uh, one of those, um, you know, gig economy apps. You know, you're, you're working for WAG, essentially, and you are just going around Manhattan, <clears throat> picking up dogs, um, and, you know, walking them around. You want to have, uh, you know, it's got those like pick up and deliver things. So you want to like maybe get a few dogs, uh, on your leash at the same time so that you can, you know, get, uh, you know, the efficiency of delivering multiple things at the same time. But you, you aren't like delivering one, a uh, thing from one place to another because you're taking a dog for a walk. So you got to take it out and then eventually you got to bring it back to where it came from. And while you're on the walk, you can play with the dog. You can take pictures. You can pick up its poop. And yes, poop is an integral part of this game. Um, and that's that's the thing that that really drew me in. The, not the poop specifically, but just the whimsy of it. You know, it's it's very much tied to the theme. It's very much uh, from a person who clearly loves dogs and just wanted to have fun with this. And so it's got a, a lot a lot of charm to it. And I really really appreciated that. Now it's a very lightweight game. Maybe a little lighter than my taste would prefer. I wouldn't mind just a tiny bit more strategy. But there are some good solid strategic choices that you do have to make during the game. So I think people who want a lightweight uh, pick and deliver game, and especially people who love dogs, are really going to get a, a kick out of it. Um, so that was my number two. And my number one uh, is The Breach. It's another Kickstarter preview. And this one, talking about theme that really connects with me, absolutely love this one. Uh, the Breach is about a, uh, is a cyberpunk game where you are playing as a bunch of different hackers who are trying to get into a corporation and steal all of its secrets. And it's a competitive game, so you're you know each out for yourself. You're trying to uh, connect this. There's got you've got this uh, modular board with these. So they square tiles, but on the corners of each square, it's cut out. So uh, when they all, where they all connect, you've got these little nodes, and you put bits of information between the nodes. So you've got to you know, spread your viruses around the node to uh, capture it and put the information on you. And you've got everyone's got their own secret objective. So which is basically just which combination of of the four different types of information you're going for. So that part of it, you know, nice and cool. You're going. You're trying to get information. Uh, of specific types it takes a little while to do that, but of course the corporation doesn't want you to be stealing from them, so they have employed uh, their uh, ice, you know, the, the firewalls, the antivirus stuff, and these take the form of like you know worms with uh, horrible suckers on them, or like these almost mermaid-looking uh, people that you know, bunch of different. Uh, models that they have, different abilities that each one of them has, and then there's the big guardian that's going to really mess with your day. And the thing about this game is it is possible for everyone to lose because the guardian will eventually shut you all out. And if you, uh, if it, you know, gets to a point at the very end of the game where it has removed all of your entering points into the database, then everyone loses if no one's gotten their, uh, gotten all the, the information they've been trying to steal. So it's got a ticking clock on it. And it's one of those games where you th at the beginning of the game, you think you got all the time in the world. You very soon realize you do not. You got to work quickly and you got to be smart about your actions. Um, and speaking of actions, it's got, uh, there's one mechanic that I really liked about it. I mean, there's, there's plenty, but the one that, I, that uh, really stood out to me is the action selection mechanic. Everyone's got a little grid. There are four spaces. Uh, three of them have colors, red, blue, and yellow. One of them's gray. And there's different arrows connecting the boxes. They're different for each avatar that you're working with. Um, and 
they are determining the different actions that you can do and the strength of the actions you can do. Once you take an action, you gotta move a cube from one box to another following the lines on the board. And uh, that means that you know, you're taking the action, but the action is going to be weaker in the future. So then you gotta spend some time moving the cubes around. It was this nice little spatial puzzle that added on to the rest of the gameplay in a very satisfying way. Now, the one thing that, that uh, struck me is also how difficult it was. Maybe I'm not that good at it, but it's a very hard game. Uh, you've got a, a lot going on and you've got a lot to keep uh, in mind. These icebreakers are, or these ice coming after you and they are not gonna let up. Um, but another interesting thing is, at the so the players will take their turns, they do whatever they're doing, and then at the end of it, uh, you will draw cards to activate different uh, enemies. But whoever's drawing the card, they get to kind of take control of the enemy for a moment and move them however they wish. Well, not however they wish, following the instructions on the card. So that I thought was a really interesting push and pull because for a moment you get to take control of the enemy so you can direct them towards your opponents. And that is cool in and of itself, but in doing so, it's like you, you are attracting their attention. And so there are different like strength tracks for each of the three enemy types. And uh, at the bottom of the card, you advance some of them. And if one of them advances to a point where you summon a new uh, bit of ice, then it gets summoned to where you are. So that was, uh, like I said, an interesting push and pull. You get a little bit of control, but also you're bringing attention to yourself. And so the, the mechanics of that and, and just the general tension of the game was, was very strong. Uh, and so I, I really liked it. And, and the aesthetics of this game are on point. If you like cyberpunk, absolutely check this out. It's beautiful. The minis are gorgeous. Uh, just really, really solid design. So those were the three games that I played this month. Um, I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed all of them. Um, but uh, I'm going to pass it back and I will see you folks next time. Bye. Boy, Shay really likes the breach. He went into full-on final thoughts mode there, and I can't blame him. It seems very, very cool. Why is it taking so long to get a dungeon crawl set in cyberspace? It's kind of a no-brainer. Anyway, though, uh, thank you, Shay. It's great to have you back. I know you've got some more stuff lined up for June, which, by the way, if you folks want to know about that, you can go to comingsoon.rado.com. At the beginning of every month, I list out everything we're planning to do for the next four or five weeks, and June is going to be crazy. There is so much to cover. So wish us all luck and thank you, Shay. But we're not getting to my games yet, folks, because once upon a time, it was just pretty much me and Shay most months. But now we've got Kimberly Tolson, Professor Kimberly Tolson, uh, who played a few games this month and has something to say about them as well. So Kim, take it away. And it is at this point that we would do Kim's stuff. And um, But uh, Kim says, came in a little late, as I said, right up front. So I'm going to be inserting what Kim, uh, what she's talking about at this point. You'll be able to see that in the uh, roundup tomorrow. Heck, maybe if you want to, after I'm done recording, I'll just quickly show the video if you want to hear what she had to say. Uh, I'm, I, I can't wait to hear it myself. I mean, she's so sharp and... I'm so happy to have her on the channel. So anyway, uh, this moment should be Kim talking about the games she played, which again were, um, was it, uh, First Empires and Tiny Epic Vikings. But uh, instead, it was me talking about her. Now, she will eventually be talking about such things. Um, and that's uh, enough. Of course, I'm going to edit all this out in the real thing. <clears throat> all right, well, next we're going to go to... Um, right, so, okay, I I'm queued up, ready to go <clears throat> for the next one. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Has anything come up? No. Okay, everything's going fine. <sighs> then let's continue. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, Kim. All right. But we're not done yet, folks. We've got another new contributor, the newest contributor to the channel, um, Amy and Maggie of Thinker Themer. They did their second run-through uh, for the channel this month, and it was a great one. Wonderland's War was fantastic. This run-through... Even if you're not interested in the game, I highly recommend you go give it a watch. It was so entertaining and engaging from start to finish, and it just goes to show how amazing the two of these are. And honestly, they kind of convinced me that this, you know, semi-cutthroat, or certainly directly competitive area control game set uh, in the, you know, Alice's Wonderland, it's got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Really great presentation, of course, with all the miniatures from uh, Druid City Games. But um, the push-your-luck element for how area control is resolved, again, watch the run-through. It looks like so much fun. There were moments watching this run-through where I was literally on the edge of my seat. I, I mean, and I don't normally get that way in board game run-throughs, but the two of them did such an amazing job um, really bringing the game to life and showing just how special Wonderland's War is. And uh, thank you uh, again, Amy and Maggie. I'm so happy to have you on the channel. It's fantastic. Okay, folks. So that was it for the contributors. But there's something else. Before I get to my main, I've got 14 games that my wife, Jen, and I played this month. I'm going to count those down from our least favorite to our most favorite. But before I do that, I mentioned right up front, I had a special weekend of solo gaming where I just put my nose to the grindstone and played like three days straight. Uh, must have been 15 sessions of Marvel Champions, which longtime fans of the show know I love Marvel Champions. And I was way, I was like six months behind in all the stuff that had come out. So I sat down and I played it all. So I'm going to do a little mini countdown of seven Marvel Champions uh, that I played over the preceding month. And if you don't care about that, folks, by the way, look down the show notes. You can jump around and skip to any moment in this video, any game you want. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, indulge me for a bit while I do my Marvel Champions countdown, starting with Ironheart, um, which she's a great character. Don't get me wrong. She's at the bottom of the list. In part because, I have to admit, I don't really know her very well. She kind of came along after I got out of reading comics regularly. But she seems like a very cool character. Kind of the heir apparent. Uh, a, a, a bright young woman who uh, re reverse engineers Tony Stark's Iron Man suit and makes her own and becomes a hero. That's all very, very cool. And the gameplay with her is very neat. It's kind of like an alternate take on the Iron Man. Iron Man, in the original box set, was all about slowly building your suit up and becoming super powerful. She does the same thing, but in a very different way. And, oh my my gosh, if you can get her from level 1 to level 3, each one of these is represented by a different identity you can switch to. For level 1, 2, and 3, she becomes insanely powerful, but you have to sacrifice a lot to be able to build her all the way up there and to probably take a real beating along the way. So it was a clever idea, but she's also a much more simple, straightforward character. I mean, I liked it. It was enjoyable. There's nothing bad about it. It's just at the bottom of my list. We move on then to number 6, Vision, which, okay, now Vision did some really cool, funky stuff. 
stuff. Specifically because Vision's main power, arguably, is he can go intangible at will. He can change his molecular density. And that is introduced in the game by the fact that you can, in the same way you can switch from his alter ego to his heroic side, you can switch from super dense to, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Where things go through you. I can't think of the word all of a sudden, but you know what I mean. Um, and each one of those two creates very different gameplay. Um, you know, I mean, when, when he's intangible, that's the word. When he's intangible, he can still foil threats and he can just, yeah, go on ahead and hit me all day long. I don't care because you can't touch me, bad guys. And that's really, really cool. But by the same token, he can't fight back. And he has to switch into super dense mode, which uh, means all of a sudden he becomes super powerful. And it was really cool. Very fresh. Again, what Marvel Champions does so well over and over again is bring these really incredibly varied characters with all their interesting, unique special powers and uh, makes them just work beautifully. Uh, I'm absolutely blown away by it. It's my number six of the month, Vision. Then we got number five, Nova, which I believe is the newest one, has just come out. And um, I should say, both Nova and Ironheart, they both do something new. Uh, they, you know, they got their character, they've got you know additional cards, and they actually come with little um, bonus enemy scenarios, which I think this is the first time it's been done. I, have to admit, I didn't look at those bonus scenarios, but that was a cool idea. What is the deal with Nova? He is all about wild resources. I don't Again, I don't know much about Nova or the Nova Corps, which is basically Marvel's version of Green Lantern, effectively, Space cops who, um, you know, and, but anyway, his helmet can generate uh, resources that a lot of his cards use, uh, and his helmet generates a wild resource. A lot of his cards say, hey, if you pay for me or if you charge me up with a wild resource, I do something really, really good. So he is just doing wild card actions all the time, and it's really satisfying. He's a very fun character to play. Again, I don't know him that well, so he's kind of on the lower end for me. Um, and they really didn't do much to bring uh, across his his day-to-day side, which is always my favorite thing I'm looking for in Marvel Champions. So, but he's a space cop. He doesn't really have much of a life, a personal life, I guess. So I guess that's okay. But anyway, that was number five, Nova. And we got number four, Nebula. Wow. Um, interestingly, Nebula was originally a villain in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and she had a very, very cool, tough way to fight her, and that system has been brought over into the uh, main game, uh, where you control her now, where she, every round, is earning these specialties. I think that's what they're called. And um, you, if you don't use them, or if you don't use them at the uh, beginning of your next turn, if I recall correctly, she loses them. Or no, no, if, yeah. So you want to get them out and use them, but sometimes you can hold them on, because as long as they're passive, they're giving you passive benefits, and as soon as you use them, um, you know, techniques, that's what they're called. They uh, do really, really big stuff too, and um, it's a really, really cool idea. I very much enjoyed her system, but uh, like all the Guardians of the Galaxies, she has no personal life at all. So that, again, that was I, I love the gameplay of her. I just wish... But again, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, as far as I know, they don't have a personal life. Their heroic life is their only life, so I guess it's okay. I thought she was really clever. The, t- the juggling techniques was just so cool. Nebula came in at number four. Then we move on to uh, number three, Valkyrie. Boy, uh, apparently a lot of people are not a fans of Valkyrie, but I thought she was great. Like Thor before her, she is really focused on being able to deal with lots of minions. Lots of little bad guys coming, she just takes them out left, right, and center. And the central thing is, she I feel it's called like the death 
glow or the death wish or the, the death stare. She has this one card that um, she can put on anybody, including the big bad nemesis or regular little nemesis, and then that becomes her focus. And all of her cards revolve around, how can I really mess that character up? And juggling that death card from one character to the next, sometimes putting it on the minion, sometimes um, it can really lead to incredibly powerful uh, combo moves. It can just make you feel, oh my god, I'm never, she can feel sometimes like she's Doctor Strange powerful, quite frankly. Um, but if she doesn't really have a lot of minions, she's going to be a little bit more at sea, but that's okay because I played her in a couple of minion-heavy uh, missions and I had a great time. She was so much fun. Okay, then we move on to number two, Sinister Motives. This is one of two big boxes for the game that have come out in the last month. And I was so torn between this and my number one, Man Titan Shadow. Ultimately, it's so tough. I'm still... I mean, I, I almost want to just let them tie for first place. Because they both do things I like. They both do things I don't like. Ultimately, the things I love about Sinister Motives is um, the renewed focus, which I've been waiting for for over a year now, of characters' personal lives. The two characters, Ghost Spider and Miles Morales, Spider-Man, both uh, their characters have really interesting and powerful uses outside of combat. You have real reasons to be able to switch. And, you know, the, the things in their real life, like, uh, you know, Gwen, uh, Spider-Gwen, her father's a police captain, so that's part of her alter-ego life, but can have a really big impact on gameplay. And I want to see more of that. That's what has always made Marvel shine compared to their competitors. The focus on these characters' personal lives. And every time they can bring that into Marvel Champions, I love it. And they do that with both of the characters here. But what I love even more, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things about Marvel Champions ever is, every time you fight a minion, you mix in a couple of little like mini objectives, which are just extra spice cards that will come up and mix things up. There was a new one of those little mini objective packs, which I forget what it was called, but it was like everyday, day-to-day -day hero stuff. Like, um, you know, just dealing with with uh, muggers, getting a cat out of a tree, stuff like that, which was all very wonderful, you know, kind of focusing more on the friendly neighborhood part of being a superhero. That's such a huge change. It's not about cosmic stakes. It's instead about just trying to make people's lives better. But even better, there was a different little expansion pack that was full of problems that can only be solved by your alter ego. And that's even better. Please, Marvel Champions developers, focus on that more. Give us more of a reason to live the people's lives instead of just always punch, 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 punch. I loved it. So, um, and then the, the five heroes, you, the villains you fight against, they were all very nice. I was a bit disappointed by almost every single one of them, though, because they break the cardinal rule. Does it make sense in any of these fights that, oh, I could go, um, you know, have uh, dinner at, Ma at May's house, because I can play this card that says, oh, go have dinner at Aunt May's house, and I can do it in the middle of this epic fight, and it makes no sense. And there are ways they can design these missions so that it does make sense, and they completely ignored all of that. I've complained about this so many times, I'm not going to complain about it anymore, but that's what kept um, Sinister Moves number two and put Mad Titan's Shadow at number one. First of all, the single best nemesis ever. It's number four. I'm not going to say what it is, because I don't want to spoil the surprise, because they actually do try to surprise you in the storyline of this. But um, that was an incredible one. Both of the characters are really interesting. Um, uh, Spectrum and Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is multi-use cards! 
Why, why is it taking us this long to get multi-use cards? That's brilliant. I absolutely love it to pieces. Uh, Spectrum was very cool too because kind of like Vision, she can change um, different light forms because she can, you know... Uh, take the form of any type of, of light. Uh, and so that was very cool too. But um, what I loved is these fights get back to the idea of, oh, this fight might... This is not just one fight. This is like an epic encounter that lasted two or three episodes of a comic book run. Because there are reasons that you can take a break and um, go back to your regular life and then come back and continue the fight. And so... Uh, I hope the developers keep this in mind because what put um, Mad Titan Shadow in the number one spot for me? That plus mission number four is the best Marvel Champions has ever been. Absolutely brilliant. Kind of brings the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, collectible card or living card game vibe to Marvel Champions and I loved it. Phew. Okay, so folks, so like I said, that was just a quick little sojourn into Marvel Champions land. But now I think it is time to uh, get to my countdown of the games Jen and I played. So let's get back to it, starting with number 14, Tulipen, or Tulpen Fever, which is a uh, game from Uwe Rosenberg. One of my favorite board game designers of all time, and you'll know, uh, very well loud. So, I mean, I've been waiting excitedly to play this for a while. But here's the thing: this game is not an Agricola. This game is not a Feast for Odin. This is a very, very simple featherweight. This is lighter and more gateway than um, than Ticket to Ride. This is one of the lightest games we've played in quite a while. And I'll, 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 first I'll say, it's at the bottom of the list for us because it's way, way too lightweight for us. We thought, okay, this works, it's clever, but um, we're not going to be interested in So what is the use case? What is the target audience for this? If you have people in your life that love Yahtzee, I'm just talking straight, unadulterated, original Yahtzee, and you want to introduce them to something else... This is that game. Because it takes core Yahtzee and adds a board. Instead of just trying to get, um, you know, points out of, you know, three of a kind, four of a kind, five of a kind Yahtzee, you're actually trying to hit specific um, targets with your dice by rolling and re-rolling. Because that lets you make progress on a field of tulips that you're trying to get planted. And you work your way slowly down. And the more you get planted, the more you unlock more dice you get to roll. Or you can unlock special bonus bases that let you force the dice to be whatever you want. And it's a fun, fast, simple little game. I would only recommend it for people who love Yahtzee and just want something where, oh, let's have Yahtzee, but with an actual board, with a race to do something other than score points. And if you're looking for that, it does it really well. That's not what we're looking for. It's a little bit too lightweight for us, but I could I could imagine playing this with my mom. Uh, you know, my mom, who's a diehard, lifelong Racco fan, she's the target for our number 14, Tulpen Fever. Okay, then we move on to number 13. And, oh man, I totally meant to look up how to pronounce this because it's a weird word. It's a weird Scottish word. Mayho, um, I think. I apologize for getting this wrong. I totally forgot to look it up. But there are multiple ways you can pronounce it online. Seems like everybody who covered this pronounced it a unique way. But what is it? This is a game inspired by real kind of quasi-folklore history. Uh, basically, there's an epic storm, and um, either you, if you're playing solo, or you and one other player, if you're playing at co-op, have sought shelter in an ancient crypt, which is a real crypt. It's called the Mayhew, or Mayhew, something like that, in Scotland. And we fell in through the roof, and when we got, when we landed 15 feet below, we found, oh, there's been a cave-in. The tunnel to get back out, we can't get back out. We're trapped in here. We are going to starve to death if we don't go mad first. And so, this is a 
brutal survival game where we are trying to play cards to be able to excavate that tunnel and get out to safety before we starve to death or before we go insane. Literally, there are madness cards in this game that you have to balance and take care of while also still trying to catch food because occasionally uh, the storm is still going and so occasionally wild geese fall in and if you can catch them, you can kill them. And by the way, what is probably one of the most graphic cards I have ever seen in a Modern Desire card game, the card which actually shows you literally slaughtering a goose. You know, uh, sensitive stomachs might have a problem with it. It's really, really graphic. Uh, I I, I probably should have hidden it instead of even showing it in this run-through, in this uh, roundup. But anyway... The important thing is, on your turn, you've got a hand of five cards. You're going to pick one card to play and do its effect, and pick another card to discard and do that effect. And that is brilliant. It I, I've been talking about the setting so far in the presentation. The gameplay is super duper sharp, because you are constantly... What you want to do is you want to play... When you play a card, it just goes into this long row of cards you're playing, and you need to play four excavation cards in a row. But if you can play four with the same rune zone, you'll do a double excavation instead of a single excavation. But the problem is, of course, you don't know what cards are coming and you're constantly having to make tough choices about, hey, I'm starving. I've got three of my four excavation cards. But if I don't eat right now, I will die. So, um, am I going to slaughter this goose this turn rather than do the four? But if I do that, then um, I have to discard something else. And the problem is, a lot of times when you discard these cards, they hurt you. Sometimes they help you. Sometimes when you play them, they hurt you. Sometimes they help you. And so, it's a really clever core little puzzle of a game. And I gotta say, I would rate this much higher as a solo game. I think it's a great, great solo game. But I'm rating it mostly right now as a two-player co-op. Jen and I played it a few times cooperatively, and it worked, but we found it was way too easy. Even when we racked the difficulty level up, even when we played with the limited communication rules, which are definitely the way to play. It's a very, very clever way they did it. We still found that as a multiplayer game, it was, um, you know, even at maximum difficulty, it didn't provide us enough challenge. Plus, I'll be honest, Jen, my wife, was a bit put off by the very, very dark, grim setting. Me, I had a blast playing it solo, and I think it's really well recommended for that. Oh, one other thing I should mention. At the end of your turn, after you've played a card and discard a card, you're going to draw two more cards. Here's the problem. Every card has either a, uh, a red or a blue rune on it. If, at the end of your turn, after you redraw those cards, if you have all of your cards with either the blue or the red, um, you will go mad. Temporarily, you will take damage. You will permanently drop your hit life. You'll, um, you will lose cards. It's a terrible thing, but it's a good thing too because the deck is your timer. If you run out of cards, you will lose the game um, because you've run out of time. So sometimes you have to go a little bit mad just so that you can shuffle your discard pile back into the draw pile so you can keep going. So balancing all these things, it's a brilliant solo game. I highly recommend it. It would rate much higher. It's, uh, if you have it as a solo game, I can imagine occasionally playing it as a two-player game. If you're not really used to two-player limited communication co-ops, it could work there. But that's why it comes in at number 13 for me and Jen. Still, really sharp, great presentation. I should try to say it one more time. Uh, may, may, may xiao. May xiao. May, may ho. Uh, anyway, let's move on to one that is much easier, I think, to pronounce. My number 12 of the month. Oops. Um, watch. That's right, folks. Watch. That's an easy one to pronounce, I believe. What's the deal with Watch? Um, well, interestingly, it's kind of a grim subject matter, too. The uh, It's a factory in um, post-World War II Soviet Russia. And uh, the factory used to produce ammunition. But now, it's been converted to produce watches in the post-war era. And 
It's a worker placement game where you can spend pretty much all of your attention just trying to generate the gears, these cool little metal cogs you use as a resource, to um, make watches and then sell them and make points. You, you can really focus on that. But all the equipment is still there to make munitions. And so if you want to, there are eight worker placement spots in this game. Four of them are bright and well lit. Those are the proper, hey, I'm just working in a factory making watches worker placement spaces. The dark, shadowy spaces are the ones where, hey... I'm illegally, after hours, making munitions and selling them on the black market for big, big points. And that is the more powerful way to go if you're willing to break the rules. Here's the trick. Every time you go to one of those shadowy worker placement spots and engage in illicit activity, you can get caught. Every round, there's going to be a certain number of cards that indicate where the watch is. Which of those sections, the foreman's office, the loading deck, the warehouse, or the workshop, are being watched? And if you went to a shadow shadowy action and you get caught, you're in big trouble. Um, you won't get arrested. Instead, you'll have to give up a lot of money to bribe your fellow co-workers who caught you. And money can get tight, tight, tight in this game. And you have to start taking loans. And you start losing points and hemorrhaging. So, um, you know, the road to riches is a challenging one. And you have to try to make sure you stay ahead of the nightly watch if you're going to do these illicit actions. Or you can, you can win this game just doing the proper upstanding stuff. You're just giving up certain opportunities. Now, that's half of the game. The other half of the game is every whatever you do, whether you work in the workshop or whatever, after you've done your action, you um, get better at that job. You take a disc off your own personal board and move it to an area control progress board. Um, that represents, one, you're getting better. In the future, you will do that action more efficiently and produce more. And the board that you move the piece to is kind of like your retirement plan. Um, the more chips you put on this board, the more your money and your cogs and your um, ill-gotten gains are going to be worth in final scoring. So players are having an airy control game trying to have the most points for the most money if you're going to try to set yourself up to have a lot of money at the end of the game. If you don't, I mean, if you don't win those airy majorities, money's not going to be worth anything to you in your retirement plan. So there's a lot of clever stuff here. And then the piece de resistance is, I talked about how there's an automated system where uh, certain areas are going to be watched. If one player wants to, they can be the player to choose what areas are watched. And if they they catch their opponents, um, you know, doing illicit stuff. They're the ones who receive the bribe, and those can really pay out big. And that's, I think, the extra secret sauce that really makes this game special. And it's the problem that makes me rate it a little bit lower. Because in a two-player game, there's a very smart system to emulate a third-player, really simple automated system, really no overhead at all. But really, you want to play this game at four players. You want to have a full factory, because if you're going to do that watch action, you want to be ensure the chances are you're going to catch somebody. If there's only one other player, um, and then a dummy player, who half the time is totally random, they never actually choose to do illicit stuff. Sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. So there's only one other player that you could try to guess what they're going to do, and it's just not as satisfying. So if you could play this game at the full four-player count, and you like a really quirky offbeat game um, with really quirky offbeat worker placement, and you uh, don't mind a kind of relatively grim and dark setting, then I think you definitely would want to check out my number 12 of the month, Watch. But then we go on to... Um, I'm sorry, that was my number 13! No, that's my number 12 watch. Now we move on to number 11. Yak! Number 11 is Yak. And oh my goodness, this game surprised me. Um, and honestly, b before I played it, 
If you'd asked me, hey, how do you think this is going to rate? I'd say, oh, this is probably going to be so lightweight and family-friendly gateway. It's probably going to be at the bottom of my list for the month. But it's not. Uh, it comes in a very respectable number 11 in a very good month with a lot of things I really loved. And I really do enjoy this game. And I'm even talking about now, I want to go back and play it some more because I think it has the potential to climb in my rankings over time the more I play it. But what is it? We are, If I recall correctly, I think we're in the Andes. We are in a mountain range somewhere in the world where yaks are the main um, way that villages move goods from one place to another. And the board shows, depending on the number of players, three or four wonderful little toy yak uh, yak and cart with working wheels. And every round, all of these yak-driven carts are going to drive from one village to the next to the next. One of them will leave my village and another one will come into my village. And that means I know on the next round, oh, that cart's coming my way. That cart has these particular items for sale. Do I care about that stuff? Yes, I do. That cart will not take this particular type of good in exchange. Like, um, it's I have a lot of bread, but the next cart coming to my village, they don't take bread. So I want that brick, that building brick they've got, but I can't, they won't take my bread. What am I going to do? I have to wait until the next cart two rounds from now. So is there something I can do in this round? Maybe I shouldn't try to get any things. Maybe I should try to get a little bit of milk or a little bit of meat. Those are the three things that you pay these traveling merchants for to get the building blocks. And what are we trying to do with these building blocks? Build pyramids. And it's a very satisfying little puzzle because as we build the pyramids up starting with, I think, a base of five, and then up to four, three, two, and one, all the way up to the top of the pyramid. And that's the timer of the game when somebody makes it up to, uh, you know, up to the top. Um, we want we have different colored blocks, and we want the same colored blocks next to each other in the pyramid um, so that we can score points. Um, and uh, But every time you play, there's going to be three optional objectives, which, by the way, you can turn off if it's a little bit, if you want it, a super lightweight game. But turn play those turn objectives on, because those give you additional ways that you want to build your pyramids to score more points at the end of the game. And the thing is, the puzzle of building the pyramid with peak efficiency is brilliant, and so is... Well, I mean, the toy factor of this game is through the roof. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, there's no way if you're playing this at a convention, people won't stop and say, what is that? Can I get in on the next game? Because it just looks so much fun. It's so bright and joyful and playful. But what surprises me about the game is it is surprisingly crunchy. The rules are super duper simple, but the depth of decision making you have to make with long-term planning. Because, okay, I'm thinking about two turns from now when that one comes into play. Is anybody going to grab that brick? No, nobody wants that dark gray brick. Nobody wants it, but I need it desperately. So I need to be planning to make sure that happens. Um, And if I don't want to wait two rounds, I could take turns because every once in a while, as you draw more um, bricks out of a bag that will refill the merchants that are traveling from city to city, occasionally you'll draw or fog. Uh, bricks. And if you draw enough fog bricks, that makes the fog descend, and suddenly all the yaks turn around to go 180 degrees, and for the rest of the game, they're going counterclockwise instead of clockwise. So you can really radically change the flow of the game if you can manipulate things in your favor. It's really clever. Like I said, it looks like a, it looks like a game for kids, but it's not. It has real hidden depths, and both Jen and I were very impressed by number 11, Yak. Then we move on to number 10, Rune Ear, which um, Jen and I played, but I have not filmed, so I'm just showing an image from Board Game Geek, uh, so you can get an idea of what it looks like. Thanks, Savar Bjorgensen, um, for uh, taking a really good shot. Or uh, oh no, oh you're you're the publisher. Okay, so this is an image from the publisher, right? This shows what the game looks like, and it looks gorgeous. This is a very simple little fast place. Um, well, I want to say Yahtzee dice roller, but not really, because in this game, when it's your turn and you grab all the rune dice and roll them, this is not a game of set some aside and re-roll and re-roll. You roll the dice once, 
and you figure out a way to use them because you'll get a different combination of runes and there is a board with all these different um, places we could carve these runes. But we need to have different combinations of dice. And so what you're trying to do is find the best combination of stones you can carve on to get the most use out of the dice roll. Now, to be fair, there are some special effects that will let you re-roll or manipulate the dice or do all kinds of special things. But um, every round, it's really a game of, right, okay, these are the dice I've rolled. And you might think, oh, well, this game is constantly luck-based. But every time, no matter what you roll, there are going to be places you can carve runes. Or there are going to be special abilities you can use um, to manipulate things. So it's surprising just how much you have to think about, right, okay, these are the six dice I've got. How am I going to use... Okay, if I put that over there and I put it over there, that means I'm only one more away from unlocking this bonus. But I don't want to finish this bonus right now because if the other two bonuses are finished sooner, the longer a a bonus objective of trying to... um, uh, carve runes in specific patterns, the more they become worth. So I don't want to finish this objective right now. I want to wait a little bit until somebody else finishes that one because then this one will become more valuable and then I'll do it. So there's a lot of brinksmanship, a lot of everybody eyeballing the same stuff, um, trying to get the favor of the Jarl uh, who has all these you know special deliveries, but also every time you just uh, do runes, you draw a little two-sided so you never know exactly how many points anybody has. Um, overall, I would say the game is really brilliantly done. It has very solid and satisfying set collection, really really fun um, pattern match. I guess that's what you call it. It's a pattern matching game. And both Jen and I were surprised just how satisfying it is. So much so that it came in at number 10, Runier. Then we go on to number 9, and it is Fire and Stone. And wow, uh, like this one a lot. A heck of a lot. It is from the designer of Carcassonne. I was going to say Klaus van Rierde? Is that right? I think. Uh, but anyway, um, and honestly, Klaus, if I got your name right, I apologize if I don't, has been doing a lot of designs. He's put uh, dozens and dozens of games ever since Carcassonne, but I gotta say, this is one of the biggest box games he has ever done. Uh, you know, big board, lots of pieces, you know, lots of um, you know broad, ambitious gameplay, and I gotta say, it works really well. This is set in ancient pre history, Dawn of Man type stuff. As we start out, you know, at the south end of Africa, and every round, your turn is so simple. You've got a scout somewhere on the board. You can move them a couple of spaces wherever you go. There's a face down tile there. You flip it and you see what you discovered. And this is a game of watching in real time, matching the real, um, you know, as, as near as we can tell from you know the archaeological record, how humanity, where we started, and how we spread across the planet. This game replicates that in a very fun and exploration-focused form. Because every turn, you know, it, it kind of... You know, it, it's it's kind of like a, a scratch-off card. So what do I get? What do I get? What do I get? Every turn, you're going to get something new, and there are no bad things. But... There can be bad plays. I think a lot of people are going to dismiss this game out of hand as being too lightweight and too luck-centric. And that's certainly true if you just walk around and you don't really pay attention to what's going on and what else has already been revealed. Because in each of the three areas, there's the first, the, the far west, the, the the middle, the Asia area, and then there's like uh, the far east, which we slowly transfer across the world. There are a fixed number of fire tiles in each area. There are a fixed number of stone tiles in each area, which are the places where we can build up new civilizations. There's a fixed number of hunting grounds. And the more things are revealed, the more you can take an educated guess of what's still left. Oh, there's only five more tiles in this area. Okay, and at least one of them is a building place, and at least one of them is a hunting ground. And I need a hunting ground. So, 
If you are paying attention like a hawk to everything that's out there and working the probabilities, you can actually make really smart, informed decisions um, that I think really elevate the game a little bit and make it a bit more gamer geek friendly as opposed to... Although, you could just play this as just a lighthearted, oh, let's just see what I found. Oh, let's just see what I found. And something, oh, this is terrible. How could I have known it was there? Well, you would know it was there or there was what the likelihood of that would have been if you had been counting tiles, basically. And that's the level Jen and I enjoyed it at. Um, the, the, the sense of exploration is wonderful. It's delightful. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, you know the, the keeping track of everything is what elevates it a bit for us. There's one other thing that I really enjoy, too, which sadly I did not get a chance to show in my run-through of it. One tile somewhere in the Central Asia portion of the board, when you flip it, you reveal a special power card that will change the rules of the game. And every time you play, it's going to be a different one. The game comes with like 20 of these cards. And they can be very, very powerful and really mix things up. My only complaint about it is, it's kind of a shame, sometimes you might not find that card until near the end of the game. Sometimes you might find it very early, sometimes you might not find it at all, like in the run-through I did. I almost kind of wish those things were hidden in the first era, so that players can find them more quickly, and they can have a more long-term effect on the game. But that's overall a minor complaint on what was, I mean, Klaus von Verde, Mr. Carcassonne, coming back with a vengeance with a very, very solid design. A great, I'm going to call it a Gateway Plus game, if you want to play well. Number nine, Fire and Stone. Okay, then let's go on to number eight, Museum Pictura, which is ba- is a was interesting. I was about to say it's a simplified, streamlined, um, uh, more elegant card game version of a set collection game that came out a few years ago called Museum, which was absolutely excellent, a gorgeous game, and um, really smart, smart. Area or not area control, uh, set collection stuff. And, um, you know, Jen, I really enjoyed it. It had a ton of expansions. I thought it was very, very sharp. But then I saw, oh, Museum Picture is coming out. That's interesting. I bet this is going to be like a simplified, streamlined, stripped down version of it. No, it's not. You'd think it because it focuses much more on, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a smaller, more modest affair. It's not quite so big and grandiose. There aren't as many boards and all of that, but it is still at its heart a set collection game. Both of these games, Museum and Museum Picture, we are running a museum, trying to collect the best art from around the world to put on display and do set collection. Every card, every piece of art you're going to put on has three metrics. Who is the artist? What um, style was it done in? And what era is it from? And you're trying to make uh, displays of the same era or the same um, genre or the same artist. And so set collection is everything in this game, and these cards can really mix and match in a lot of interesting ways. Um, What's most interesting about this game is, and what really sets it apart, and I think elevates it above museum, quite frankly, is... Uh, each player has their own set of cards they could put on display. Uh, maybe they'll like them, maybe they won't, because everybody has their own unique trend card that says, what's really valuable to me is very different than what's valuable to you. But there are four international museums on the main board, and each one of these museums has their own pieces on display, and they have their own individual trends. And the first thing you have to do on your turn is, you have to pick one of those four museums. You have to give them a piece from your hand, and you have to take a piece from them. You, you engage in a friendly trade. And smart play of this game is all about anticipating, right, what do they want that I hate? What do they have that they don't care about that I am desperate for? And looking for those, because every time you engage in these trades, if it's a really friendly trade that benefits them hugely, you'll get a lot of points. If it's an aggressive trade that takes away stuff that they really want and gives them stuff they don't want, you will suffer and lose points. 
And in this way, in a two-player game, it kind of gives a little bit of a sense of feeling like there's trade. You know, trade is normal, like, you know, Settlers of Catan stuff, that's normally something that happens in a three-plus player game, because zero-sum just won't let it happen. But the fact that there are these other trade partners that you're interacting with every turn is wonderful and really elevates the set collection and makes it a blast. Both Jen and I really enjoyed it, and it's gorgeous. Not surprisingly, number eight of the month, Museum Pictura. Then we go on to number seven, First in Flight. And now I should say, this was a paid Kickstarter preview. It's going to be launching um, in June, so you can watch for it soon. My video will go live when it launches. But I got to say, folks, I, here's, here's what got me interested in this when the publisher contacted me. The designer of Search for Planet X and Between Two Cities. Uh, ben and Matt Rossett, and oh, I don't remember their names, but anyway, this design duo, I mean, everybody went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when it came to the search for Planet X. That was a very well-deserved, super-massive popular game. And so this is their their next game. And it's, uh, uh, Planet X is a hard game to follow, but for me, what I fell in love with hard is Between Two Cities, which ultimately got re, um, you know, redesigned into Between Two Castles of Mad King, Ludwig, and stuff like that. Between Two Cities is brilliant. Search for Planet X is brilliant, and I'm just going to tell you right now, folks, so is First in Flight. No surprise. These guys are des a design duo to keep watching. But what is this game? It's radically different than their other designs. This combines three wonderful things. Deck building, push your luck, and time tracks. And by time tracks, I'm talking about Thebes. I'm talking about Takedo. I'm talking about Glenmore. The idea that there's basically kind of like a worker placement. You, you can move clockwise around this track and do whatever action you want to land on. But the farther you move, the more you're going to give your opponents more opportunities to do more stuff. And so you're always having to make a tough choice. I want to be the first to grab that space. But if I do that, I'm going to give you like two or three actions. I love time tracks, especially when they're done well for two players. And this one is done brilliantly. Second best time trap implementation for two players. Only slightly beaten by Glenmore, and it almost beats Glenmore, quite frankly. More games that want to do time tracks? I'm looking at you, Takedo. Look at how they did it in First in Flight. There's a much better way and more satisfying way to make these two player friendly. So, um... It's all about, oh, I've got a buried lead. What is it? We it's the early, it's the early 1900s, the beginning of the 20th century. And we are all racing to be the first to beat the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers in this game aren't necessarily going to be the ones who fly those 36 meters at Kitty Hawk and change the world forever. It could be somebody else. And all the players in this game are real, historical, famous early aviators. And there's a wide variety of people, both the pilots you can play as and the various patrons that you can befriend who can give you all. All kinds of powers too. I love every. I love the history that comes alive in this game. The gameplay is fantastic because I mean, all the time track stuff you're doing is to build your deck. Your deck represents your little jalopy, your your brittle plane that you're trying to your fly with. And when you actually land on a fly spot, you shuffle your deck up and you start playing push your luck, hoping to get the glide and the experience cards, and hoping not to draw the design flaws, which will make you crash. And um, and you have to push your luck because if you can get a perfect landing, then you can get a whole big extra bonus. But are you going to push your luck before you try to get that perfect landing? Really sharp. Everything about this game. It's fun. It plays. It pays very quick. Again, my my uh, Kickstarter preview will be going up in June when the game goes live. Watch for it. Both Jay and I were very impressed. Number seven. First and flight. Then we've got number six. Nirvana which is a very, very cool game, too. Um, I'm really, really impressed by this a lot. It's a Although, unfortunately, I did not do a run-through, so I don't have video of it, but let me tell you about it through pictures on Board Game Geek, because um, I... I 
it, what this replicates, it is an abstract game that replicates apparently what's called ladder climbing in cards. Neither Jen or I have ever played a ladder climbing game, but apparently a ladder climbing card game is one where you've got a big old bunch of cards and everybody's racing to get rid of all their cards first. And what you're trying to do is play pairs or three of a kinds and four of a kind. So I might on a turn say, I'm going to play three threes. And now that means on your turn, well, if you want to get rid of some cards, you have to play three of a kind as well, and you have to do better. You have to play three fours or three fives or three sixes. If you've got two sixes, no good. You have to have three of a kind. And so that's how ladder climbing works. That's what the second half of this game is. The first half of the game is actually making your own custom deck of 15 carbs. That's the roll and write portion. Every round, we are going to roll three dice that um, you'll give us numbers, and we put those numbers on a little sheet, and as we fill this sheet in, we start creating different valued cards. Uh, like, you know, if we end up having a, uh, you know, a, a three, a three, and a five, oh, that's a, or a three, a five, and a five, that's a 13. So, because I, I put the 5 and the 5 and the 3 in those spots, I made a 13. Maybe because I desperately wanted a 13. Um, because, in addition to the uh, core roll and write to create these cards, and in the second half is play the ladder climbing, every time you play the game, you're going to draw 3 cards that radically change the rules. That might make 13 a super powerful wild card, as an example. Or do all kinds of interesting stuff. And so, every time you play, you are going to have a different combination of cool objectives to place. You're going to play a very fast, very quick, every round. Hey, it's bingo style. Everybody gets these three dice. Everybody fills out their sheet however they want, whatever they think is best, to try to make the proper 15 cards they want. And then we do ladder climbing. And like I said, Jen and I never played a ladder climbing game before. And wow! That's a real mind screw, figuring out how to play them. And so, but making your own custom deck of cards in a ladder climb, or hand of cards in a ladder climbing game, Mwah. This was brilliant. We didn't know what to expect from this. We both thought it was fantastic. Number six of the month, Nirvana. Okay, now let's talk about number five, uh, Sansuci. Although I should say, this is the new Sansuci second edition, which Sansuci um, from uh, Michael Kiesling, designer of Azul. Uh, you know, everybody's heard of Azul. Everybody knows how amazing that is. Well, Michael Kiesling has uh, done dozens and dozens and dozens of brilliant designs over the years. And Sanchezi is one of his older ones, and I and for my money, one of his best he has ever done. Uh, it is a game where we are um, royal architects trying to design the the gardens of Castle Sanchezi, and um, while also trying to show the nobles of that castle a good time, because every round. We are we have a hand of cards, uh, two cards. We're going to play one of them, and those cards determine how we are going to draft a tile and add it to our little version of the garden. And after we've done that, if we have added them correctly, the noble who's interested in that section of the garden, whether it's gazebos or mazes or um, rose gardens, whatever it might be, that um, uh, noble can start walking down the garden. And what you're trying to do is you want to get those nobles as far down the garden as possible, because that's the, where the lion's share of points comes from in this game. But the trick is getting tiles that will let those nobles go for that walk. And the brilliant, puzzly part is those nobles don't have to walk in a straight line. You can make long, circuitous routes to get a specific noble into a specific spot to score tons and tons of points. And it's brilliant. Like I said, one of Kiesling Games... Best designs ever. Uh, and I include Azul in that. Um, I might like Miyabi more, I think, but Sanchezi is one of the best. So, 
It came out a long time ago. Why do we play this month? Because finally, after all these years, there's a, I believe it's a Brazilian publisher that has gotten the rights and they're doing a new second edition of it. It's gotten a graphical overhaul. It's the same great gameplay it's always been though. The expansion, it does come with one little mini expansion where there's a wild boar on the grounds now. And you, in addition to everything else you're trying to do, you're trying to pen that boar in because if you don't before the end of the game, you'll lose a lot of points because the king does not like wild boars running around in his gardens, not surprisingly. So that adds an extra little level of uh, depth and complexity. Although, to be sure, if you have the original Sans Souci, um, you can add that wild boar by just using a cube. It's a very simple um, thing that really elevates the gameplay. And I was just so happy to play it again, because I hadn't played it for years. And so, hopefully, this game should be getting available to folks very soon. And so, if, if, if you have an Azul lover in your family, and you say, oh, you want something else? Well, um, th- uh, this is from the same guy. You're probably going to enjoy it. It's phenomenal, and it's finally available again. Um, hopefully, be going wide soon. My number five of the month, San Shushi. Okay. Let's move on to number four, Dice Realms. Now, I've actually played this, and I filmed the run-through. The run-through should be going up on the channel this week, I think on Friday. So you'll be able to see my run-through soon. You'll be able to hear my final thoughts soon. And I recorded a long final thoughts for this game, like over 20 minutes. First one I've recorded that long in a long time, because i got a lot to say about this game. I'm not going to spend much time here. Suffice to say, the easiest way to summarize this is, the designer of Race for the Galaxy gives us Dominion the Dice Game. Because this game owes a lot of its core structure to Dominion. Instead of having a deck of cards that I'm building over time and every turn, drawing some cards, pulling resources out of those cards to get more cards or get points or do various and sundry actions and all that... Is take everything I just said, but replace cards with dice, because this is a customizable die game, where you start out with a couple of dice, you roll them on your turn, you can re-roll one of them, but over time you will buy more dice with the resources you got from the dice you already have. You will upgrade existing dice you have so they become powerful. You will try to balance those two things while chasing points as fast as you can. And the game is over once every once the big pool of points, or the negative points, or the food, has been all gobbled up. So the end game is actually very, very similar. Uh, race style to Race for the Galaxy. So, what would you get if you took Dominion, combined it with the overall structure of Race for the Galaxy, but replaced the cards with dice? You'd get Dice Realms. And I'm just here to tell you folks, hey, it's my number four of the month. I think it's fantastic. I think a lot of people are going to be kind of disappointed with it because it has a very, very high price point. And I will talk about that at great length in my final thoughts, which will be going up uh, soon. But suffice to say, if you are willing to put the time in, because this is a game of real subtle, hidden depth. On the surface, it looks really simple. Oh, just keep upgrading your dice. Just do this and you know, go on autopilot. I, you know, Much like Dominion can be played with the big money strategy, where all you do every turn is just buy more and more money until you have enough money to buy province cards and win the game. That's called big money. It's a simple brain-dead way to play that's very boring, but it's effective. If you're playing Dominion well, that means you are beating big money. This game has the same idea. You can just go for big upgrades, and it's a very simple way to play the game that's not very interesting. But I strongly suggest instead you try to work within the confines, because every time you play, you're going to get a different combination of different faces you can upgrade your dice with. And if you can find ways to combo those together, you can pull off amazing turns in this game. Again, I'll talk about this more in the run-through, which should be going up by the end of the week. Um, and uh, you know, by then, you'll just be able to search for Rado Dice Realms, and you'll be able to learn more about it when I talk about it at great length. I already talked longer than I thought I was. Anyway, it's my number four of the month from um, you know designer Tom Lehman, one of the greatest modern designer games um, of, of his generation, let's say. My number four, Dice Realms. 
Okay, let's move on to number three now, which is... Oh my gosh! My number three is frickin' on tour Paris and New York, but I'm on the wrong thing! Gosh darn it! How did that happen? My number two is Aeon's End, folks. Are you still here? Uh, you've been quiet for a while. Okay, yep, you're, you're still here, amazingly. I'm gonna pause for a second, and I've gotta fix this. Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. How did that happen? Alrighty, I just made a new tab. Uh, oh, and I'm showing you everything! Ah! Ah, I'm showing you! I'm ruining everything! Oh, I'm so dumb. Alrighty. Um, Aeon's End. How did this... No, not Aeon's End. On tour. Paris. No, let's do the... Uh, no! Oh, and there's Kimberly's Roundup, which came in too late. Oh my gosh, I'm just falling apart now, folks. Oh, this is giving me a break to go into the final stretch. Everybody doing okay? How's everybody doing? I'm gonna get a drink of water then. Mm. I can't believe I messed that up. That's so dumb. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the hang in there. Hey! I didn't hear the hang in there. Why is that? Could somebody do another sticker? Has my sound gone? Do I hear myself? D any sticker will do. I just want to make sure if I... if. Okay, no. Good vibes, good vibes. I just didn't hear... I, I didn't hear the meow. Thanks. Okay, folks. On tour. Um, on tour. Give me an on tour video. That was the next one on the list. Uh, let's just do the Paris one because Ruel was in that one. So that's more fun. Okay, put this over where it was supposed to be after I spoiled everything for everybody. All right, so I was just, I was doing Sensushi and then, all right, oh yeah, so it was on tour, comes after. Oh, I can't believe that, folks. Oh, I'm so silly. All right, so on tour is number three and then hey, Aeon's End is. Oh, hey, listen. Oh, what, what, what is it, folks? I heard, you, I heard you ask for a listen. I can stop and listen to whatever you got to say. Did I hear this earlier? What? Yes, I did hear Hey Listen when somebody pointed out I'd forgotten to update the banner. It took me a little bit to actually finish my thought and then look over and see, oh, and I fixed it. Thank you. It was a great Hey Listen earlier. I guess the, I guess it just must be the Hang In There Kitty Cat is a really quiet one relative to other things. I believe I actually have the ability to individually for every sticker change the volume. Maybe I need to pump up the Hang In There a little bit because I just didn't hear that one. But the Hey Listen is working. Okay. So, oh my gosh then. Right, okay. On tour is number three. Yes, okay, that's correct. On, but then, wow, what the heck? Yep, okay, I heard it. It is quiet. It is quiet. But thank you for the uh, kind words. So I said Dice Realms was number four. Oh my gosh, every number has been wrong. How did this happen? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Wow. Oh crap. Okay, every number has been wrong because I've got two number threes. But somehow I messed it all up. How did this happen? Control Z, undo. Yeah, look at that. Uh, one, two, three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty. So I guess I was talking about fifteen games today, folks. I lied earlier. Yes, Fem Sensei, you have solved my problem because I am obviously I. You can't tell I am sweating buckets in here. I've thought a few more times about taking my pants off. It's so hot in here, but um, yeah. I'm going to say number 3.5 is... Um, all right, so let's go back to... All right, let's make sure this fits on the screen. Yeah, that's fine. Um, right, number... Right, so number four. 
Okay. Oh, and uh, thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, Zimordron, for subscribing. Apparently, me at my greatest moment of weakness and self-doubt is what inspired you to support me with money. Although it's Amazon Prime, so it's free. You gave me money for free. And we're close to unlocking another RVR. That's fantastic. Uh, anything else happen while we're gone? Oh, Kezadrix, thank you so much for the bits. Uh, getting closer to unlocking another run-through. Yay. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't respond at the time, but thank you so much. And Rogue Calypso, resubscribe and sticking with it. Apparently, I must be doing something right, right, folks? Um, and so, thank you, thank you for throwing me some Bezo bucks. That is our future, by the way. Um, when uh, we become the United States of Amazon and everybody pays in Bezos. Oh boy, there, there's a grim. Uh, forget about all that other dark grim stuff I was talking about earlier. Wow, what did I just uh, portend there? Um, yowza. Okay, um, let's see here. Oh my gosh, so number 3.5 is what we're going to be at now. Oh, so dumb. But it's okay. Thank you, fam. Uh, that, that is the perfect solution. Um, oh, hey, Rel. How you doing? Mm. My break is, I can't count to 15 without screwing up. So we're going to have a number 3.5 on the list this month. Um, uh, 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 bravo, bravo indeed. Uh, and thank you, Corthine, for resubscribing as well. Phew. Okay. Okay. So, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to be on here, and I'm going to say my number four. I'm going to pretend I just said my number four, blah, blah. Um, and next, and, then, and I'll just continue from here. All right. Mm, all right. Mm-mm-mm. So, <sighs> let me gather my thoughts. We're almost to the end, folks. We're almost done. Um, boy. Can't count to 15. It's the simplest thing in the world to do. Alrighty. Say lovey. Let's do this to this. Okay. Um. <clears throat> okay, so I've got you ready in the queue. I just have to control S. This is fine. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, folks, and I was actually about to move on to my number three when I realized I can't count. We are actually talking about 15 games today because I accidentally listed two entries and I didn't have my tab set up and all that. So we're now going to move on from my number four, uh, Dice Realms, to my number 3.5 on tour, Paris and New York, which is another paid preview uh, for a game that's on Kickstarter right now as part of the Kabuto Sumo Super campaign. And um, this was my favorite thing in that campaign because both Jen and I love, love, love on tour so much. Um, It's basically 
one of the best rolling rights that have ever been made because it's so clean and simple. You are a band manager trying to plot out the tour for your band. In the original game, you were doing it uh, throughout North America, although I think uh, in the second edition, there was also a Europe map. But now, there is a sequel on Tour Paris in New York that adds two new maps, the Paris map and the New York map, not surprisingly. And the core gameplay is still here. Of every round, we roll some dice. If you roll a two and a five, that means somewhere on the map, somebody has to ride a 25, and somewhere you have to write a 52. And what you're trying to do is create an ascending series of numbers uh, adjacent to each other to make the perfect bus route. Or, um, uh, you know, whatever, however you're getting around, whether it's a plane or a bus or just a taxi, uh, I suppose, or the or um, whatever it might be. Anyway, though, um, the trick is you can't just write that 25 and that 52 wherever you want because every round you're going to draw three cards. And those three cards limit you in where you can actually write, whether you can write in the top of the board or the bottom of the board. Plus, those cards give you specific targets. And if you write the number of the round in a specific space, not just anywhere in a region, you'll get double points if you um, play that gig. And um, so the original on tour is brilliant. One of the best. So what do um, uh, Paris and New York bring? Hold on, folks. I'll be right back because we've got a phone call. Okay, folks, I got to take this call. Yes, I do. Um, hold on. Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. I turned the microphone off when I went to talk to the hospital, and then I forgot to turn it back on. Okay, I think that's like major goof number four today. But I've been a little distracted, in all honesty. Um, that was that was the hospital calling. We had to take my mom to the hospital, to the emergency room, late last week. Uh, she's 75. She has congenitive heart failure. She has HHT, which is a rare blood disorder. Um, that means she, all the normal treatment for hearts or heart repair. She can't hey, do any of it. Listen. Still, I'm still quiet. Um, uh, you can hear me now, though, right? So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, she went in. Oh, oh, no. Some people say no sound. Some people say audio good. Okay. Uh, Dr. Prof, it must be you that you have no sound. I don't know why that would be. Um, so she's doing better now on whatever it was. Like middle of last week, I was pushing her every day last week. Mom, you need to go to the hospital. I mean, you're getting to the point where you can't feed yourself. You, you can't. You, you can't let Maggie out to go to the bathroom, her, her sweet little dog. Um, and she's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, I, I just, just got to get through this because, you know, I mean, maybe you, some of you folks have people like this in your life. I just, you know, a hospital's where you go to die and I'm not going to do it. And um, I think it was Friday. She, uh, she said, I think I'm ready to go. And that's like, okay, that's a four alarm fire if she's ready to go. So we went down there um, and I spent eight hours on Friday, uh, you know, and oh my God, the situation, this is a really good hospital, but... All, every hospital in the Pacific Northwest, or certainly where we are in southern Washington and northern Oregon, is overflowing with people with COVID who are unvaccinated. And it's, oh, it's so, I almost, I almost wore my vaccine shirt, but I, I was actually talking with, uh, um, uh, you know, Paul from Gaming Rules, and I like wanted to throw him some love today, because I, I think Gaming Rules is fantastic, folks. Everybody subscribe to that channel. If you like me, you're going to like Paul. Uh, his, uh, you know, talk to the, his Q&As he does every month are one of my favorite ones that channels do. Anyway, sorry. Um, but anyway, so 
Uh, it, it was so hard to get her in, but she finally got in a room, and um, you know, so they, she's been. Uh, she was kind of on death watch for those first couple of days, but they've been. Uh, and it turns out, a medicine she's been taking for probably the last ten years called digoxin to try to keep her heart rate under control because she cannot repair her weak heart. Uh, it can go into AFib at a moment's notice. Apparently, if you take it too much, it can lead to digoxin toxicity. And apparently, you can look it up. That's what she got, and that's what was pushing it. Uh, you know, over the top. And um, so they got that out of her system. She's doing better now. Uh, they were also able to work on her water retention because she had really extreme water retention that we've been working on for months um, with uh, uh, diuretics at home, but we were just having re- really struggling trying to find the right balance with her potassium levels and all of that. But they were, because she was in and they could do IV treatments, I mean, her water weight has just come off, this stuff we've been struggling with for months. So she feels better now. Um, and, uh, and the the thing is, back to what I was saying before, the hospital administration wants her out now because they do not have enough beds for all the people who are there. But she is terrified of coming home now because as she said to me on the phone this morning, um, yeah, I, I I don't really want to come home until I'm confident I can poop on my own. So it's kind of silly, but it's also very serious. I talked to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah. That's not happening. She, I am not discharging her today. I, Richard, I wasn't actually going to film today. I was going to push this off, but then I got the call from the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, there is no way I'm letting her out until Thursday or maybe even Friday, because I want to observe her a little bit more. So that was me just talking to the hospice care counselor, trying to schedule that when she does come home, um, that we're going we're gonna to get her like a special hospital bed, and she's going to, for the first time, she's going to get an oxygen concert. So we are... <sighs> We are, as a family, moving on to another phase. And, um, and that's, what, that's what's going on. Uh, and so, um, sorry, I didn't have any intention of talking about this at all today. So, uh, I was just having some fun talking about games. I apologize. Uh, 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 thank you, Goblin. You know, right back at you. Um, don't worry, it's fine. You know, this is, this is why we moved back to the States. We moved back to the States four years ago to help her. Because you know she was she was getting on in years and she was getting weaker and um, uh, thanks thank you everybody uh, so yeah we've known this was coming she's known it was coming she's she's got a very healthy attitude about it uh, the number of times I've heard her say you know what I've had a, I never expected I'd make it to seventy five number of times I've heard her say that it's well it's you know it is what it is and um, something everybody goes through at some point or other. So that's the situation. So yeah, I'm sorry. I had to take that call. But honestly, I am happy just to uh, get back to talking about some board games for a little bit before I have to get back to all of that. So, but that's what's going on. Um, Hey, if you show up live for the show, folks, you never know what you're going to get. I might start crying um, over my mother's failing health. You never know. But let's see if I can uh, collect myself now because we still have... Three and a half more games to talk about, and and thank you everybody for the support. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, don't we're we're fine. She's fine. We've we've all been preparing for this for years. We've all known it was coming. She thinks she's the luckiest woman alive because I'm I, longtime fans of the live shows. You probably or the podcast have heard about how we only recently discovered her long lost a daughter. She had to give up for adoption when she was in college because she couldn't take care of herself. So, um, you know, Tammy is her name has come back in our life. I think Tammy. I'm going to be talking with her later today. She's probably going to fly up next week and they're going to meet for the first time in real life. So, so there's a lot of good still going on, um, and we're just going to focus on that as we move forward. But speaking of that, let's get back to talking about silly, inconsequential things like games, shall we? I think that sounds good. Okay. 
Back to my 3.5 on tour Paris, New York. Okay. Ah. I've got a lot of marks for having to interrupt here today. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was an important call. I had to take it, and I've totally forgotten what I was just saying. But I think I was describing how great uh, Paris on tour is and New York on tour is. The Paris map doesn't really increase the complexity of the game, just makes it much heavier. The game is incredibly crunchy when you pay in Paris because there's a new concept of riverboats that you can take um, that don't require dice to use, and you really have to plan your entire route from start one almost. And if you want, you can play along with us. Ruel Gaviola and I uh, recently did a live stream. You can. Find that by do a search for Rotto on Tour Paris. Uh, look at the show notes. You'll get a link to a piece of paper you can print out, and then you can play the game with us and see if you can beat our score. Woohoo! Um, and you'll have a blast. I promise. It's so much fun. The other half of this, um, on Tour New York doesn't make the game any harder or any crunchier, but makes it much more complex because the New York map adds um, ferries and Central Park and um, set collection or solo gigs. Three different systems. I've done a full run-through of that as well, so you can check out how that works. And I loved it because it just really gives you a lot more to crunch on while almost making the game a little bit easier and more forgiving. So both of these are great, great additions as a sequel to On Tour, one of my favorite roll and writes of all time. And that's number, again, apologies, number 3.5 on the list. Okay, but now we are going to move on to the proper number three on the list, The Loop. Fozilla. Okay, I love this piece, uh, this game, in no uncertain terms. I always have. It is by far one of the uh, best. I mean, geez, I believe I almost, I think I went on record when I covered this originally and said it is the best pandemic inspired co op game since Pandemic itself came out. And now, sadly, Jen and I, we have played it, but I haven't filmed it, so I'm just going to be able to show you some pictures of uh, the stuff on Board Game Geek. But this expansion, uh, The Revenge of Fozilla, introduces two new playable characters and two new alternate modules that really mix up the gameplay quite a bit. Um, the characters are awesome. One of them is a set of twins which means one player is controlling two characters. And normally I'm not a big fan of that in co-op games, but here it makes sense because they're twins. And they're so brilliantly designed because you want to keep the twins together because they're more powerful, they unlock a lot of special powers, but you want to split them up so they can do more stuff in the time stream fighting the evil Dr. Foe who's trying to destroy all of reality. Uh, the other character is... Ba- uh, there, there's the twins right there on screen. The other character is basically Dr. Foe's mini-me. You're like a little miniature Dr. Foe, a little mini-clone who has joined the good guys. And as the mini-clone you can control Dr. Foe and force him to go to certain areas, which is incredibly powerful indeed. Both of these two new playable characters are a blast. We really enjoyed them. And the um, new missions are great too. The Heart of Kaiju or, um, introduces a gigantic new wooden um, meeple that looks like a, a, a kind of a uh, a funky Godzilla-type critter that is moving throughout time. Because I, I didn't mention, um, the uh, the uh, the loop is a time travel game where we're moving f- backwards and forwards in time, um, fighting um, rips in the space-time continuum while trying to beat Dr. Fu at his own game before he destroys the universe. And doing it kind of pandemic-style, but in a really brilliant, unique system. Watch my original run-through to get an idea of just how great the loop is. Um, and the loop had... I think four different modules, missions. There's two more. One of them is you're chasing a time-crunching Godzilla throughout space and time, trying to set traps and lead him into those traps to defeat him. It's awesome. 
The other one um, introduces, oh, I don't know if they have, and there, there's uh, Fozilla right there in the picture. The other one is uh, these kaiju balls, um, which you power up in different ways, and it's also very, very cool, although really, it, you want to play with Fozilla. That's the, the really uh, the, the fun one. So, Jen and I loved it. I think really the best thing about this expansion is the two new playable characters and the new artifact cards that get they're all neat and awesome. The two modules are nice as well. Honestly, I kind of felt like they played a little long. Like we the original modules that came with the game, we could get through faster. These ones, um yeah, I kind of and especially the um the 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 uh, Fozilla one uh, where you're chasing Fozilla down, the way to make that one harder is to make it longer. And I'm never a fan of that. I would definitely have preferred they found a different way to increase the difficulty level rather than, oh, you just have to do more work um, and you have to survive for longer. So that was kind of a little bit of a letdown. So I think overall, this is a great expansion. It doesn't increase my overall standing of, of the loop, but the loop is still amazing and I'm happy to have more of it, which is why it comes in at number three. Then we move on to number two. Where is it? Oh my God! Where is the freaking... It's not here! It's not here! The... I don't know if you noticed. My number three was... Well, okay, it's Aeon's End. Did I close the Aeon's End one? There's on tour. Oh my gosh! I am just falling apart, folks. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. Well, and I, you know, and actually Loop was number two and Aeon's End was number three, but then, oh, I, I, Aeon's End was missing. I thought I'd move them, I'd bump them around or something like that, but no, I somehow deleted Aeon's End when I was doing everything else. Oh my God. This is not a hard job, folks. Count to 15. Don't close stuff before you've used it. But yeah, I am, uh, I am not on fire today, shall we say. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Here it is. It's queued up. It's ready to go. Let's uh, save myself a little bit of trouble and put it queued up in the banner.txt file. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise. All right. Oh, and then go back to Fozilla. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. I, I seem to be having a bit of a brain fart today. My number two on the list today is Aeon's End past and future, which I'm so happy about because after Aeon's End, uh, Legacy of Gravehold, everybody kind of assumed, oh, that's it. It's endgame for Aeon's End. And now uh, the publisher is just going to switch over to um, you know pushing their new spinoff game, Astronites, which is excellent in its own right. And we thought, oh, there's no more Aeon's End in our future. Wrong! Um, this is another paid preview. It's, it's coming on Kickstarter this month. And oh my gosh, this is some of the most fun I've had playing Aeon's End because it has two new expedition modules. If I recall correctly, six new nemeses and what is it? Like eight new heroes, a bunch of new cards, and some really cool, huge, game-changing ideas, mostly to the way that you manipulate the market of cards. Um, and I and they're both fantastic. One is being able to put cards on layaway, and one one is this idea of earning another type of resource called knowledge that can unlock um, you know important things about your character. Both of uh, you know uh, and 
all the new characters are great. One of them, I think, is a little bit too much on the simple side, maybe. Uh, you know, a, a little straightforward in gameplay. But, um, you know, it's great for Willow is her name, and she's really good for starting first-time players, I suppose. But most of the heroes do a lot of really cool, fun, interesting stuff. The Nemeses are really neat, some really cool ideas. And I'll talk about all of that when the game goes live on crowdfunding and I release my preview video. Because I go through everything. I show all the cards, all the monsters, everything. I just go deep. And I have a really fun time playing it solo, too. Against, what was I? I was playing against the Herald of the End. And it was a fantastic... I mean, uh, Aeon's End is one of the best... Uh, co-op games out there. It's one of the best deck builders out there. And Past and Future, which tells the story both of what happened hundreds of years before the first day on in, and what happens generations after the events of uh, Legacy of Greatholds. So, also, if you are really into the lore of this world, this game probably does more for really telling un- previously untold secrets than ever before. And I love the lore of Aeon's End, so it was really, really cool to see. What was this world like 200 years before the Nameless wiped out all of humanity? You get to go there. That's in the past module, and it's awesome. And the future module adds some of the coolest mechanisms I've seen so far in my number two of the month, Aeon's End, Past and Future. Oh, boy. It's a good month, folks, but I've only got one more to talk about. It's my number one game of the month. It's currently, as of the uh, June the 1st, it's my number one game of the year, The Guild of Merchant Explorers. Oh my goodness, this game is so fantastic. And I've already talked about this at great length in my run-through. And I feel like I've been talking a lot today, so I'm not going to belabor the point too terribly long. Um, this is a wonderful... Um, it almost feels like a roll-and-write, but it's not, because uh, every round... Let's see, we're zoomed in here too tight. Let's zoom out so you can see the whole board. There we go. So, this is a game where every round... Bingo style, there is a deck of cards that gets shuffled up, and we're going to draw cards from one after another after another. And that card says, hey, everybody who is trying to explore their own little map, and you explore by putting little explorer cubes out, indicating where you've been, what treasures you found, what ruins you plundered, what villages you've established, what trade routes you've set up, all kinds of stuff you're doing as you explore this world. Um, and it's all driven by every round, you'll draw a card that says, oh, everybody, um, travel across three bits of water in a straight line. Or or everybody, um, tra- explore one mountain. Or everybody, explore two grasslands of your choice. And you always have to expand from what you've previously done. So, the thing is, you know what all those cards are coming, and you have to make very careful planning. Okay, I know we haven't drawn the mountain card yet, and I'm nowhere near a mountain. I need to make sure I get to a mountain before that mountain card gets drawn, because I don't want to waste it. But one of the most important things is, there are cards in that deck that are just numbered 1, 2, and 3. And when you draw that card, everybody has their own insane powerful level 1 card, level 2 special card, and level 3 special card that gives everybody really unique abilities. And so when you when the level 1 is drawn, I might have a thing that says, hey, pick one mountain and fill in every space around it. Which normally, it's very hard to travel in mountains, but this makes it incredibly easy. You might have a thing that says, hey, um, you know, travel in a... Instead of the normal, you know, travel in a 3 line, travel as far as you want in a straight line, but only um, until you hit a wall. So you want to make sure, okay, I haven't pulled this super card yet, but everywhere I am doesn't really have a really long straight line for me to go. So I've got to get over to this continent before that card gets drawn. And so this game is all about 
long-term planning with risk mitigation because you never know exactly the order the cards are going to come out. But you are always planning for, okay, this advertisement come out. If it comes out now, what am I going to do? If it comes out in two turns, how do I get myself ready for it? And it's so rich and satisfying. But that's only half the game. The other half is, at the end of the round, all your explorers come off the board and then you start exploring all over again. And that means you're constantly getting this really great rhythm of explore, 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 and you fill up the whole world. And then, hopefully, you've made some permanent additions. You've established some villages and whatnot, so that when you clear everything out, when you go into the next round and you reshuffle the deck, you'll be able to start exploring from multiple places and reach even farther. This game is a blast. Uh, Jen and I have both fallen in love with it. It's uh, I, I, I would be surprised if this doesn't make it into my top 10 games of the year. And it's my number one game of the month. Guild of Merchant Explorers. Okay. Hello. Yeah, that's a, a call you don't send to voicemail. Um, sorry, folks. Thanks. Uh, apologies again. Um, that was the uh, the hospice care counselor um, calling to say that she is now scheduled to come home on Friday, which is what she wanted. Um, so she's getting to spend a couple more days in comfort with people monitoring her and you know getting her strength back up. So that is best possible. We are very happy. As soon as I'm done with you folks, well, actually, after I'm done with you folks, I'm going down to visit. I've been visiting her every day, and uh, so I'll have some very, very good news to share with her. So she'll be ecstatic about that. That's good news. And in case you just came in late, sorry. Uh, this is reference to a call I had to interrupt earlier. You don't need to know. Um, but we are just about done, folks. Thank you for your patience. This has been the most scattershot um, roundup I have done in quite a while. Uh, but that's okay. Hopefully, hopefully you're having fun. Uh, thank you, Amy and or Maggie. Uh, I, am, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, and, 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 and the good wishes from everybody. Like I said, folks, uh, you know, this, is, this has been a long time coming. We've all been preparing for it. doesn't make it any easier when it gets here, but... We will get through this, and um, uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay, but I'm almost done. I think I had just, I knew the phone was ringing, and I said, and that, and my number one, I think I'd left it, so I just got to come back over here now and say, and that's it, folks, and then just do a, a wrap-up and say, thanks for watching, go to coming soon, and phew. Okay, so let me just get back, my head back in the game. Yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. And that is it, folks. Phew! Oh my goodness. Uh, May was a great month for gaming. Uh, I, I, those were all uh, great games. I, I, we didn't have a clunker among them. And uh, again, some of, some of the best games I'm probably going to play this year. And oh, it was so nice to just uh, go back into the nice warm comfort of Marvel Champions and get some of what had gotten me excited. I'm, I'm excited about the game of Marvel Champions for the first time in a long time, it feels like, uh, with some of the stuff that I saw. And uh, again, I want to say a huge shout out and thank you to Shay. Congratulations again on getting married. Amy and Maggie uh, are amazing. Congratulations to them. Uh, folks, if you haven't checked it out yet, we just put their Wonderlands War video up. Uh, of course, uh, it's just a blast. You will not regret it if you sit down and watch it. It's so much fun. And Kimberly is amazing, too. And, of course, uh, Ruel and Ryan and uh, Jen and all of you. Thanks to everybody for helping me put on the best show I can and the, hopefully the 
some of you will agree, the best board game channel there is. That's maybe a high bar to hit. Anyway, though, I'm uh, getting a little loopy now. Plus, I got to do some editing. So I'm just going to end it right there and say thanks to everybody for watching. And also, of course, thanks to sponsor the show, Fun Again Games. Have a very nice day, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, Bye-bye. Uh, hello. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Jeez Louise. We made it, folks. We made it through to the other side. Uh, life got in the way, but they couldn't stop us from counting down those whatever it is now. I don't even know how many. I thought it was 27, but maybe it was 28. I don't know. I'll fix that in the edit later on. So, <laughs> I feel like I earned that today. Thank you, um, Goblin, with the uh, applause. Uh, boy, that was a tough one. Okay. So, while we've been going, of course, people might have had some questions. And I always suggest people ask questions uh, with a question mark at the beginning. And I do see I've got a queue of stuff here. Now, some of this might be holdover from the R&R show. But let's just take a quick look and see uh, if there's anything out. Yeah, okay. Let's go. Let's go. I do not... And here's one thing. I do not know... Uh, let me show you actually what I'm looking at. Oop, oop, oop. You know, here is... This is featured.chat. Here is the chat. It's pretty much the same chat as you have, except uh, you can't quite see it. Um... Let's see, because, uh, can you see it? Yeah, I, I can um, add any one of these things as a, as a line on the screen. But over here is the queue of what you people have added to my questions queue by asking your questions with a question, question. One thing I don't know is, I don't know if Frank tries is the oldest question or the newest question. You know how to find out what's the oldest question. I'm going to find out right now. Okay, at the bottom of the list, I just asked what's the oldest question and went to the bottom. So let's do um, first in, first out. Let's come back to me. You don't need all the behind the scenes stuff. All righty. Um, Frank Ty says, when did you put this list together? There were a few projects that went live today during the end of June. Oopsie. That's a question from Frank. I should have read it before I put it on screen. Frank, you're not here. That was a question from when Ruel and I did our Kickstarter countdown yesterday. If Frank, if you're here now, I will answer your question. Uh, we, I put my, I and I believe Ruel both put our initial list together the night before. The morning of Tuesday morning, we got up and we checked to see, oh, were there any new things going live on that day? And were there any things closing? Uh, you know, that, that, and we caught a few. And so we did mention those. Like, um, I, I think there were two of them on our list that went live on that day. Now, here's the deal. I know, I'm, I'm giving a long, de uh, detailed answer for somebody who's not here. I realize there's probably going to be some game that's going to go live next Tuesday. And it's going to be over in two weeks. And because it's in this little window, it means we're going to miss it for our Kickstarter, um, what were we calling it? Uh, crowd Sorcery Show. One of the reasons I wanted to come up with a name for whether it was the crowdsource or crowdsauce or crowd sorcery is I am thinking in the future, instead of doing um, the uh, the uh, crowdfunding wrap-up as one big show once a month, instead making it a little segment, like a 10-minute segment we do every week on Tuesday when we stream live. Whatever it is we're streaming, hey, along with everything else, we would do, uh, hey, what's, what's, what's closing over the next week? And so that's why I want to give it its own separate standalone name so it can be its own segment. And right now, I think Crowd Sorcery is the crowd favorite. But, um, you know, I've asked people, um, you know, if, if you go, if you, if you subscribe to the channel, you saw today I put up a, hey, here's the best games coming out in, or, you know, on Kickstarter or, or crowdfunding in June. And I s literally start that saying, we need a name for this segment. And so I'm hoping people will come up with some suggestions. But right now, Crowdsource, Crowdsauce, or Crowd Sorcery are the three leading contenders for a name 
name of what will not be a monthly, but maybe a weekly segment to the live streams that will then get you know pulled out and become its own standalone show. So that's kind of planning for how to maybe do this and um, and be a, and not miss because we've missed a lot of big Kickstarter things by only doing it by only covering it once a month. So that's uh, Frank Ties, and I should have answered that yesterday. I apologize. All right. Um, all right. Okay. And I see there's some more questions from yesterday. We will leave those. Um, all right. I, I'm just looking for ones that came up today. I should have looked more recently. Or you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go backwards. Last in, first out, because these are the ones you've asked today. Let's go to the bottom of the list. Kabuki Kid asks for a chicken update. Kabuki, what is it with you and chickens? That's my question. We need a chicken update from you. Why are you so obsessed with our chickens? Well, maybe you say, because you add, a friend of mine has chickens and one died. Oh, I'm sorry. And one seems ill. He's worried possible bird flu. Someone is checking to make sure it isn't. Are yours fine? Yes, uh, our chickens are fine. We um, we had one chicken die, um, but it was not flu. It was, um, she basically, I forget, I believe the word is egg bound, where, you know, the, the an egg doesn't come out. And so they try and try and try, and it just... Uh, you know, and we thought she was over it because she was kind of, she was really sickly for a while, um, and waddling around, but then she kind of got better and we thought, oh, maybe she passed it. And we just, we couldn't find, you know, the bound up egg or something like that. But then one morning she was just, she was no longer with us. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we have not had anything, uh, any kind of any flu. Yeah. The, the, the chickens are all doing fantastically. They are producing way too much. And so we are giving away eggs to the neighbors left, right, and center. And one of our neighbors keeps saying, you should charge for these. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Um, especially because as Kabuki kid knows, we have annexed a sizable portion of the common lot. So it seems like the least we could do is give these eggs away to our neighbors. All righty. Going to the bottom of the list again. Um, right. Well, there was my question. What's the oldest question? Which at the time was that question. Alrighty. Next up, we've got Adam or, uh, G Adam Gray says, do I feel more pressure filming live on Twitch versus just putting out videos? Oh yeah. Make no mistake. This is, this is a high pressure cooker situation. Um, and uh, you know, it's not something for a while I was thinking, Hey, okay, maybe I'll make a really hard push to um, you know, make streaming a bigger part, and honestly, now that uh, Twitch has basically turned me down, I think four times now, even though I have hit the requirements for getting partner status, and they have turned me down four times, and the last time they were not very polite about it. They were pretty, look, stop asking. Um, and like, okay, well, fine. Uh, I, 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 I. I I was getting to the point where I was, hey, maybe we'll, maybe I'll have Ruel do a second show and all kinds of stuff, and we'll really do a lot more. And like, oh, okay, screw you two guys. Um, and uh, that's kind of where I am at the moment because it is a lot more work. Everything you just saw, I mean, and you just saw a a, a video go about as sideways as it could with calls coming in and me making mistakes that were like critical, and I had to rearrange things. Normally, if I'm just filming by myself. This key right here, what is it? The tilde key is pause. I can just pause. And I just know that, okay, fine. I'll fix whatever it is. I'll answer the doorbell. And then I just hit it again. And I just continue right from there. I don't have to go and edit after the fact. In fact, I can pause. And because I'm recording in FLV form, they haven't been remuxed yet, um, there uh, I can actually go and watch. What did I just say right before I paused? I can play the video, even though it's still being recorded as I'm playing it. I can look at it and remind myself of what I said. So yeah, this button is such a lifesaver that I can just pause whenever I need to and just 
continue and it's just like a, a seamless cut. And I can't really do that live, can I? Not 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 particularly live. So it is definitely a much oh hello. Um Brechtspiel podcast, Bjorn Brechtspiel. Hello. Um wait, no, no. That was the Brechtspiel's podcast with a party of nine just raided us. Hey gang, and thank you uh, for the following, Bjorn. Your timing is peckable as opposed to impeccable because we're kind of wrapping up. I'm in the process of doing a Q&A with folks. I just finished the main thing I was here to do, which was unbox that behemoth that is off screen. I'm not going to get it back out now because it's a big mess. Uh, and then film my monthly roundup. And I'm just doing a little bit of Q&A. If you have any questions, if you ever want to ask Rado a question, now's the time to do it. Start your question with a question mark and it'll go in my queue and I will answer it and put it on screen like I'm doing. Like I just answered that one. Um, all of that said, uh, Adam... It is more high priority, but it is fun to do this. It is fun to have the back and forth in the interaction, and there's kind of an electricity. In high school, I did a lot of amateur theater, and um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of a mixed feelings about it. I'm, I'm, I'm right in the process right now of kind of reevaluating my relationship with Twitch and live streaming. And it's something I'm talking with Ruel about. It's why I'm in the process of thinking, well, maybe um, we should do the Kickstarter coverage in a different way and all that. Because, uh, you, know, we, you know, we've been doing the R&R show for just shy of a year now. And hey, that's a good time to uh, take stock and figure out what's going to be next. So expect change is coming, but we haven't figured out exactly what yet. Okay. That was ominous, wasn't it? Okay. Um... Let's see here. Uh, Thinker Themer asks, am I going to Gen Con asking for two friends? Uh, um, two friends who were recently married and who are excellent contributors to the channel? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm... Uh, I'm... Uh, you, you well know, Amy and or Maggie, whoever's watching right now, the, um, the end result of the last time I went to a convention, um, you were there. Thank you once again for helping me and Jen race against the clock to get to the airport when we found out that our flight had been canceled for three days and we had to rush and try to find another one and we got there and we couldn't and they got the runaround and all kinds of stuff. Both Jen and I are very much in a, don't really want to fly right now. Um, still kind of ticked off. Still haven't gotten refunded from, who was it? Um... Not Alaska Air. Frontier. From Frontier. Because we canceled, they, when they canceled us, we said, okay, we'd like our money back for this flight. We'll fly someplace else. And they said, okay, no problem. We still haven't gotten refunded from that. So neither of us are in the mood to fly. So I don't think Gen Con is going to happen. Um, maybe next year. But thanks for asking, though. For your friends. Okay. Uh, what's up next? Goblin uh, apparently had a question while I was filming. Can you win the watch by building the gears? Or do you have to build ammo? N Almost. You can do very, very well just by focusing... Well, okay. Um, if you want to stay away from the the, the, the the most evil thing you can do in this game is make black market ammo and sell it on the black market, which is, you know, it's pretty pretty scummy behavior. You do not have to engage in that. The um, You can make most of your focus just be on making gears and selling them and, and get a better short loop of that. If you want to do a little bit of skullduggery, I don't think most people would have a problem with there. There's one, there's two quasi-evil things you can do that aren't really evil. One of them is, after hours, you can go into the foreman's office and you can rifle through their files. And that's thematically what you're doing, but what you're really doing is drawing a certain number, I think drawing three and keeping one special power card you can use at a different point. So that's, a concern, I mean, and that's that's no big deal. So um, you, you can focus on, and that has a big set collection element. So you can focus on the set collection element with the uh, getting files. You can focus on just making and uh, doing gears. There's one trick to it. There's one um, thing, though. 
when you do a uh, daylight action of just, look, I made some watches, I'm selling them. A bonus action you get to do off of that daylight action is you can upgrade your illicit ammo. You can upgrade uh, copper to a silver and a silver to a gold. And that can translate to money. So if you haven't made at least one illicit ammo, which you never have to sell, you can just make it and then just keep it so that you can keep upgrading it. So there's that. And honestly, I'm not quite sure why they did that. Um, you know, basically, I guess they're probably trying to make a point that, you know, hey, you know, corrupt actions, they get into anything and they worm their way in. So you, if you're going to just focus on making the gears, you won't be doing it at peak efficiency because you should have at least one illicit ammo crate to get the most out of that positive daylight action. But, I mean, the, oh, the other illegal activity you can do is work overtime, which just means you make more gears than normal that you can sell in a normal positive way. Oh, and the other thing you can do, but you would only be able to pull this off at higher player counts is, hey, I'm not going to do anything evil, and I'm going to work hard to make sure that I catch any of you um, scallywags and make sure that you have to pay the price for engaging in evil activities. So, yeah, I, I think you could make a successful go. There are enough other things to do. Um, you know, the ammo is one path to victory. And, um, but, and, and it's, it's almost kind of the easiest one. The other ones you have to work a little bit harder, but I wouldn't say it's more powerful than any other path to victory. Okay, which doesn't make any sense for people who just came late. That was a game we talked about earlier called The Watch, which is a game, a worker placement game, where everybody is a uh, worker in a World War II Soviet-era watch factory that used to be making ammunition and you can still secretly make the munition and sell it on the black market but then other players can turn you in and he just wanted to know could i play this game without you know indirectly leading to killing people which is it's a good question okay um oh that's a good question uh adam asked again at the same time how did it feel to put yourself in the shoes of a soviet in watch given the current events (sighs) um here's the deal i do not hold the people of Russia responsible for the acts of their leader when it boils right down to it. Um, you know, there's a, I've got a prototype for, oh, what is it? I can't remember the name of it now. It's a, um, oh, it's driving me nuts. I've got a prototype uh, for a game that was going to launch on Kickstarter back in April. Um, and it's from Russian developers. And it's uh, and, and they put it on hold because they think, okay, now is not the time for us to be putting out there. Even though, I believe by now, they have all left the country. Because they were actually in the streets um, organizing, and they were protesting, and they were putting themselves in danger. And I think they all had plans of leaving because you know as, as a final statement uh, because they didn't want to be part of this anymore. And so I haven't heard from them for a while. I hope they're okay, but um, you know, I, the you know, the, the reality is that the people of Russia, you know, they're in a rock and a hard place. If they go out and and protest, they will have their lives destroyed, and lives are being destroyed all the time. And so, yeah, um, another one I have. There's a there is a a board game shop, a guy who runs a board game shop in I think in Moscow. I'm not quite sure where. And once every couple of months, he sends me Russian translate or um, captions for some of my final thoughts and say, "Hey, could you add this to the final thoughts um, so that I could so that people who come to my shop can know more about this game because they, if they don't speak English." And I've been happy to do it. And I haven't heard from him for a while. And the last time he did one. Um, he, it was again back in April and, uh, and, you know, I said, oh, hey, that's great. I hope you're doing okay. Um, you know, with everything that's going on. And he wrote back, I can't really talk about this. I'm worried that my emails are being monitored and I have not heard from him again. 
that's the reality of what's going on. Um, and honestly, Watch kind of fits that. Watch is a game where you are in Soviet Russia, in danger, you know, doing whatever you have to do to survive, engaging in some unsavory practices, and potentially suffering the consequences if other people turn you in or if you're caught doing it. So, honestly, I mean, I'm sorry, that's neither here nor there. I didn't have a problem with putting myself in that because I tend to project myself into the role I'm in. And in that game, we are probably good people forced to do bad things to feed our families. And to me, that's a powerful story, and it's one that has real resonance for what's going on today based on some of the experiences I've had over the last couple of months with some people that I indirectly know. Um, Right. Okay, that got heavy. Let's see if uh, Meeples and Mocktails uh, brings it a little bit lighter. News! There's a new game announced in the Tidal Blades universe. That is fantastic. I have not heard anything about it. But in case, if you love the Tidal Blades stuff, folks, oh my gosh, the Cuttingtons, they are so gorgeous. And as I understand it, they are very smartly designed. I look forward to hearing more. So, breaking news. Alrighty, that's nice. Next up, we've got uh, King Engine 1. How have I liked Obi-Wan so far? Well, I have not watched the third episode that was, you know, available as of midnight last night. I thought it was going to be on Friday again, because the first one was on, or Thursday night. I thought it was going to be on Thursday. I didn't realize. I would have stayed up and watched it last night. Um, I liked the first two episodes quite a bit. Of course, I real I love Ewan McGregor. If you ever get a chance, I believe it's on Apple Plus, the long way round, long way down, and long way up. Three reality shows he did where he and a friend of his, Charlie Borman, built custom motorcycles. The most recent one, they were electric motorcycles, and literally drove all around the world and had adventures. And my God, I want to be friends with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman. They both just seem like such amazing down-to-earth people. I feel like I know them. So I'm, I'm always in, uh, in, inclined to uh, enjoy anything he's in. Plus, I mean, he was arguably the best thing about the prequels, quite frankly. And anything he's in is, I mean, he just elevates everything. And um, the show was good. I don't want to talk about, there were some things I didn't like, but I mean, this is nowhere near a Mandalorian or a Boba Fett situation. I am enthused about continuing to watch this show, even though there were some things that were like, oh, come on, really? Ugh. And uh, normally, I'm the last guy to say that. But uh, yeah, overall, and, uh, you know, the surprise, the it's not a Baby Yoda, but it's a Baby Yoda-esque surprise. I hope everybody can be equally surprised by it. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm just going to say, oh, there is a, there's a thing that's nothing like that, but is, it's like, whoa, is this happening? I thought that was amazing, but I also have some problems with it. Anyway, though, I, I wouldn't want to talk about specifics, though, until everybody's had a chance to see that. So I will say right now, um, oh, and, oh I, looking, we laughed out loud at one scene with adults in a forest. Yeah. That just goes to show. I mean, I, I, I agree. Yes, one could just laugh out loud. But it's like, geez, Louise, come on. How did this get past the screen test? I mean, this all this should be cut out. This entire thing should be cut out. This entire whatever it was, three minutes, just drags the whole show down. And there's a few things like that spread throughout. There is one character who, when they are inter- introduced, like... Wow, that's a really incredibly wise character. Wise beyond their years. And what a really... I can't wait to see. And then by the end of the episode, they're doing really stupid, stupid stuff. Like, come on, you're supposed to be really freaking smart. You're doing dumb, stupid, trying to create problems for Obi-Wan for no good reason. If you were really in this situation, you would not be behaving this way. This is just artificial manufactured drama. So that's the thing. It's... It's the best Star Wars TV has been, and I've only watched the live action. I've never seen any of the cartoons, other than the uh, uh, Getty Taranowski Clone Wars, which were awesome. Um, so, yeah. But overall, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uwe McGregor is always a win. 
Okie dokie yet. Have I talked with CGE about Starship Captains yet? We'll be covering... I hope so! I love CGE. I love Star Trek. How could I not love this? I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I have not heard from them at all. I probably should reach out to Eleni or Ray. Um... I've never met Ray. I, mean, I know Eleni very well. We both lived in Malta. We played games together. Uh, we've got that Malta gamer connection going on. And yeah, I definitely want to, but no, I haven't heard anything yet. And when does it come out? I don't, I don't think it's anytime soon, right? Isn't it like an Essen thing? Or is it a Gen Con thing? I should, uh, I should write a letter after we're done today. Okay. Um, do, do, do. All righty. Uh, it looks like that, yes. It looks like the remainder of the questions came in at the R&R show yesterday. So I'm going to leave the rest of them there so Ruel and I can do them next Tuesday when we're back. By the way, folks, next Tuesday, mark it on your calendar, Ruel and I are doing our top 10 games of all time. It's taken since February. Uh, by hook or by crook, every month we've been getting closer and closer, counting down the top 100 games. Next Tuesday, we do numbers 10 to number 1, which really means my five favorite games and Ruel's five favorite games. And uh, I have, I know, I, I'm pretty sure I know one of his games. I do not know what the other four are. I'm probably a pretty open book. I'm probably not going to be surprising people very much, but still, cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. Tuesday, uh, next week, noon Pacific time. Be there or be square for the R&R show episode 48? 44, I think. It's going to be episode 44. Um, oh, and I see a question. What will happen after? That's what we're trying to figure out. We are we are in the process of talking about stuff, uh, you know, uh, b- based on what I said earlier. At this point, I cannot say. My intention is to be able to say by Tuesday next week, and after we finish, we'll say, "Hey, by the way, folks, we've been doing this for a year. We just we got two milestones. We've just about finished the year. We just finished our top 100. What are we doing next?" And we'll have announcements next week. And honestly. I, I have leanings. I kind of know what's likely to happen, but I don't want to say anything. Um, but like another reason to be here next Tuesday. Um, and you can help us name the uh, Kickstarter because uh, we'll probably do a vote for should we call it Crowd Sorcery or Crowd Sauce or something else. Anyway, though, uh, it looks like I have caught up with all the questions from y'all. And, um, yeah, it's 2.40 now, and I've got to go... Well, you, you know what I've got to go do. And I've got some very good news to share with my mom. So, thank you, everybody. I hope you had a good time. And, uh, and uh, I'll see you again in another month. And we'll do this all over again. So, uh, right, last thing. I, I was going to hang up, but I can't hang up. i got to raid somebody. Let's see. Who can we raid on a Wednesday? I, mean, I never do this on Wednesday. There should be somebody interesting, right? Board games. Um, do, do, do. There's Luza. Luza is always a safe bet. They are awesome. I do love... Oh, there's Dutch Yoda. Dutch Yoda has raided us in the past. This is my chance to return the favor. What you doing, Dutch? It looks like Dutch is doing some miniature painting. I believe Dutch Yoda is doing some miniature painting. And it looks like he has a very Yoda-specific shade of green. So, folks, I'm going to raid him, and I want everybody to say, tell him Rado sent you, or whatever it is one says. I don't really have... I really need to get some raid stickers, don't I? So you can throw a bunch of Rado raid stickers. I mean, it writes itself. It's a Rado raid. I need to get the... I have the stickers. I just haven't added them. Um, You know, uh, somebody who's down there right now, I believe, has actually made me some stickers. I'm sorry. I will get to them. There's so much going on. But in the meantime, folks, we are going to go say hi to Dutch Yoda, who's a regular on Twitch, a really swell guy. I know Ruel likes him. I've never met the fella. But um, everybody... 
uh, go give him some love. We all need some love. And I appreciate all the love you gave me today. Okay, everybody. In three, two, one, raid! Go, 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 go! And let's see what happens. All right. I can't hear him. Rado is raiding me. <laughs> Hi, Ruel. All right. That's Hello, be... Raiders. Thank I you like for that, the um, raid, Rado. Look of shock and surprise on one, his face. That was worth up to well, a lot more. Okay, folks. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Uh, we'll be Bye, back next everybody. month. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh.